I, I would love to see a hybrid show of the Great British Bake Off and a Knife Nerd show where it's like fucking Stone Cold Steve Austin and what's the um, what's the lady judge from that show called? Oh, I don't remember her name. <laughs> love that Today show. on Ultimate Knife Cake. <laughs> you have to forge a knife and make a cake. How are we testing it? If that knife can't cut that cake from a 50-foot throw, it's a <laughs> failure. And then we're taking it to the flavor station to judge that cake. That's right, we're looking for a savory cake of some kind with some fruit inspirations. We'd like to avoid turkey and ham in the cakes. You heard it here! Yeah, uh, I, oh, that'd be so good. I would watch the shit out of this. Because all the judges you know would get along in their, in their kind of because nerds, there's there's certain yeah. bookishness about being a nerd about this stuff, and oh, just just seeing them like, uh, like it will cut the cake. <laughs> I want to see Doug Marquetta say that, or so, I, it's, or pitch- it it will it will delight. Yes. <laughs> oh, this is fantastic, and it will cut. Today on the challenge, we're swapping it up. We're making the cake first, then you have to make that cake into a knife. What? <laughs> Or make a uh, a knife related cake. Yes. That's the, that's the that's the that's what you always have to avoid. Like you can't lean into the gimmick that hard. It's like okay, you ha- no. What you do is you have to make like a savory something, and then use the bones from the meat to fashion a knife to cut the savory thing with. Like that's the ultimate challenge of that show. Oh yeah, I could. Oh yeah. So yeah, you take the bone and you have to make like I guess minimally it would be a handle. Yeah. And those, yeah, those types of knives do exist. Yeah, yeah, that that would be wild. What are you working <laughs> on here? I'm working on a nice French production pastry glaze, and and also a Damascus steel knife. I'm stirring the I'm stirring the glaze with the knife. Interesting choice. Interesting choice. Why? I I didn't have any silverware. You guys didn't give us spoons. You have to forge your own. Oh, yep. you have to forge all of your silverware if you want to work on have something to work on with the cake. It's like, if you need an egg beater or, like, a mixer, you better forge that, too. I want to see someone forge an egg beater. That sounds ridiculous. <laughs> Just rotting! Rotting! How do you get it to splinter? Uh, yeah, I want to see that only because it... Uh, I want to see what some of these... These guys make some fancy stuff. Yeah. The guys on these shows make some ridiculous... I want to see the fanciest inlaid... Egg beater made out of Damascus steel, and it has like inlaid like all designs. Oh, I'm talking and... like gold mixed in impurity or something during the beat process. Even like not even an yeah. inlay, like an actual mixed <laughs> into the metal, so it's going nowhere. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm gonna see the yeah. the the greatest <laughs> egg beater that's ever existed. Yeah, ah, uh, yeah. I think we make a souffle with it. Oh, yeah. Now, all right. So now you're going to double yeah. make it super difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Half oh, an yeah. hour left on the clocks. Cook blacksmiths. Then you start the cooking portion of it. My knife is coming together in a way I like, but I'm worried about the souffle. Why? I don't know how to fucking cook. Hello and welcome to the Wicked Awesome Cast, episode 143. We've been a video game podcast up until this point, but Woo! this week we're this week we're different. Um, 
for it's only the two of us, but we've swapped um, Alex for Henry this week, and that's important because um, we're gonna talk about nothing but weather this week. Uh, it's it's uh, we know we talked about uh, weather in the past involving Alex's first snow in Portland. That was adorable. Yeah, but it, it fucking snowed in Los Angeles this week. Like I saw it, and it was bizarre and wrong and. Alex lived in L.A. his entire life and never saw that happen. <laughs> and then he yeah. fucking moves away and it happens. Yeah, it's... I can't believe it myself. I mean, enough snow, like, even here in the valley, to see it collect on the ground. Yeah, I I saw it in Pasadena where it was in the air but not sticking. I, I At the same time, like my house is up in the hills, and by hills I mean, like, the mountains, not the fancy part of L.A., enough that like the last couple weeks I have had like my windshield wipers frozen to my car and like what could be snow on my car I don't know so but to see it like actually fucking snowing was like what the fuck yeah it's I I wonder how people are dealing dealing with it because I mean in a few places I don't think it actually got cold enough to have much in the way of iced over roads yeah like, well, we didn't get the combination of precipitation plus freezing temperature. Oh, we did that. where I live. Uh, I guess so. Oh, yeah, 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 it did It did rain some during the week. I'm also almost a thousand feet above most of Los Angeles, too. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, that's, even down here, like, I, I'm kind of in, I'm basically in the valley, and it, and it definitely snowed down here, too, and it's like, oh, all right, L.A., okay, L.A. Yeah. Oh, no, we've never covered this. Henry lives in the part of town that I used to live in. So take all the crazy stories I told about that part of town and give them to Henry now. Yeah. But yeah, that's it's a uh, yeah. I I mean, I grew up with snow. Yeah, me too. I mean, not like as much as like say if you went north, but where I'm from, Oklahoma, it gets its fair share of snow. Well, it gets its fair share of just like ridiculous weather period but yeah. it definitely gets snow in the winter like when i went home to visit my family definitely saw some ice and snow definitely had to break up some yeah. water and some ponds and stuff and so that the cattle can actually have something to drink so but yeah i grew up with enough snow that even though i live in los angeles where in theory it doesn't snow i have a car that's stupid high rated in snow driving because i'm like no i will never be caught unprepared ever again Hey, and he actually got to use it. I felt like the smuggest son of a bitch for a couple hours where it's like, <laughs> oh, you don't have four-wheel drive? I always have four-wheel drive. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah. Oh, you only have LA weather tires? I have actual all-weather tires. I'm good. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, you're, you're kind of like, you know, one of those people who are preparing for, you know, something for the apocalypse and you had like a bunch of cans of food and whatnot, and oh, then something th actually happens. Those people are wrong, because they assume the apocalypse is going to happen where their stash is. I go yeah. the opposite approach, which is, I just want a car that, when the apocalypse happens, will probably work, and be yeah. good, and gets decent gas mileage. Like I, it's, it's, like, it, it's not some like bash-through-a-barricade semi-truck, but it's a car that, like, I can drive almost half, like, 500 miles on one take of gas. Yeah, well, in anything, I mean, my thought has always been, like, you know, 
contrary to what most of the media would have you think, except for a few gems here and there, I don't think that... I, I think that an apocalypse will be much... It won't be like what we think it is. It's not oh, going to be, be some... some slow, drawn-out bullshit of weather changes. Like, even if somewhere gets nuked, the most of the world will get fucked over by, like, inclement weather changes as a result of that. Like, it'll it'll be the fucking nuclear winter that happens after that, where it's like, yeah, that's the shitty part, where you don't see the sun for the next 30 years. I mean, see, and that's the thing, like, the, the like, the new Far Cry is, is, is like, post-apocalyptic. The, you know, spoilers, the previous one ends in, like, bombs dropping. Uh, yeah. I mean, that, that's kind of a spoiler, because it's Have not really a spoiler, the because the- conspiracy theory about that, actually? Uh, about the game? Okay, so uh, in Ghost Recon Wildlands, there was a, um, oh, fuck, I'm blanking on the name. Um, Sam Fisher, what, what game is he from? Splinter Cell. Yeah. Uh, there was a Splinter Cell DLC mission that ends with Sam Fisher talking about how he has to go investigate some people that stole some nuclear warheads or something, and then huh. the next game Ubisoft made was Far Cry 5. Hmm. That ends in nuclear warheads. Yeah. But yeah, the new the newest Far Cry. Yeah, it's. But yeah, that's it. It it, it, it skipped the whole nuclear winter thing, as far as I could tell. I mean, all the I, screenshots it of like it 20 are years sunny. After the fact, I don't know. I, it's. Oh, oh, okay. So if it's yeah. actually there's actually a pretty big time lapse then. Yes, I. I will not ever be playing Far Cry New Dawn because Far Cry Five was my last Far Cry Five and. They gotta change that shit up for me to play it. Well, it looks like uh, it looks like a pretty big change. They've looks like they've basically turned it into Fallout. Um, more color, more colorful Fallout. That has not been the impression I've gotten from people talking about that game. Oh, okay. Well, I've I haven't played it. I was just I've only seen screenshots. Well, if, so. if 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 you want to get into like good alternatives to Fallout, I played a game this week we could talk about. Okay. Alright, so I played two games this week. One's the obvious one when we talked about it last week, but I got to spend a lot more time with it. I played a ton of Metro Exodus. Mmm. You know the Metro franchise at all, Henry? Yes, I am. I, I am familiar with it. I, what is your stance on them? I've, I've, I love the first one, especially after the remaster. The second one is cool, but I think it lacks some of the kind of like fun, super... Like, it's more military centric than the first one is, but it makes sense for the storyline. It's like my general reaction is both games were like flawed, amazing games. Like they they're not perfect, but they're like truly exemplary games of what they're trying to do with problems. Well, I never played the second one. Oh. I am I am familiar with the first one, but I never played the second one. So yeah, uh, I yeah I I think I agree. Yeah, yeah. I'd say that they are. Great ideas, interesting stories, and I mean, as and with problems in the execution, but nothing that would make you not want to play the game necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. Like every single one of them comes with some like weird technical glitch at launch or something. Like it's, it, it's it's a shame because they're like they're very good masterpieces of what can be done with a linear, no multiplayer based. Like I, they're like Doom, where it's like it's the Sure, you can play multiplayer, but like the single player of Doom, especially the new one, is what you were there for. You were there, weirdly enough, for a story, and the story of Metro is fantastic. Yeah. Um. 
So the new one, Exodus, kind of uh, subverts the formula some, where the previous ones were literally linear corridor shooters because they took place in the metro. Exodus mm-hmm. takes you outside, puts you in the post-apocalyptic uh, Russian landscape. Don't get me wrong, like there's still plenty of uh, tense corridors for you to kind of shuffle down, like, but you have to transition to inside. And like again, what this game nails is the feeling of what the world would be like after it all goes to shit in this category. Where I could see you're out in the sky. I could see there's nothing around you, and that's terrifying. Because in this world, there are giant winged beasts that will swoop down and fuck your shit up. And there's nothing you can do. Yeah, and that's and I, and I think that's the thing that, as for, for that genre of game, it's hard to actually do the isolation thing. Because that's really what I think a post-apocalyptic story is about. And some of them are. Some of the best sci-fi is exactly that. It's about isolation and loneliness rather than sort of war so ongoing wars and destruction like yeah less much less sort of a you know fallout style well, thing even so and or, the game definitely kind of, not so much mad max yeah. in a certain sense but, but also like super mad max in its own weird way like it's the yes this is the world that leads to mad max eventually mm. like it's the everyone thinks like it goes like here to Mad Max instantaneously. No, no, it goes through the Metroverse before you get to Mad Max because, like, you have to let the radiation die down. And Mad Max is kind of the—I mean, you could call it the Twilight of humanity. Yeah, it's like that's like the last people. That's why it's so desperate. Yeah, it's it's everything is fucked at that point. <clears throat> Nothing else to go around, and so like. We're Metro, and like it's funny you bring up the whole kind of like uh, the, the war is still happening aspect because like Metro plays with that concept, and mm. I, I think that kind of like, what I've always loved about the Metro franchise is that unlike Fallout and lots of other post-apocalyptic games, the Metro games are bleak, and that's yes. because of the writing behind them. Like, there's no like, yeah, it feels weird to say it, but they're not a franchise about hope. They're very no. kind of Russian apocalypse is the impression I've gotten based off some interviews. Where it's, it's not so much about like we will save humanity. It's the this is what we have to do to continue to eke out a horrible existence in this really fucked up world we created. But what about hope? There is no hope in a world that's roamed by like giant man-eating dogs, winged things that we can't kill easily, called gargoyles, and an entire surface planet that's too irradiated to be on. Like I. So it's not familiar. Metro has portions where you go up to the surface of the world, but you have to like gas mask up, and that's when the game goes to this really. Like, the games always have had this really cool kind of survival horror aspect, where it's like ammo yeah. is scarce, you're managing gas mask, you're managing like health files and stuff. Like it's it is a game that nails the idea of you're gonna stealth until you fuck up, and then it goes guns hot. And I hope to God you have enough ammo. Yeah, I mean that's the thing, and I think that's. And it, like I said, it's getting to the isolation and loneliness that yeah. are much more likely in that situation than, I mean, and that's, you know, and, and on a side note, that's kind of why making it into, say, an MMO style of game doesn't work so yeah. well, because you have to, it's, there has to be a good storyline to create the feeling of isolation and loneliness, along with the environment itself 
And that's one thing that I will say that, well, on the second thing, like Exodus, or the, sorry, not Exodus, but the Metro series does is the bleakness of the environment does it very well. But also, yeah, the storyline, the way things are set up also does it very well. So you were fucking setting me up for some amazing transitions this week. So, and like, so what Metro, Metro Exodus is different than the previous games is it is open world. Mm. Kind of. There are four or five zones, I want to say, that are kind of like hubs that have what I'd call like traditional metro levels contained in them. And you don't teleport places, you have to walk around. And the first one like literally involves, it's like some snowy Russian village that's half like fish god worshipping cultists and bandits. Mm. And also the irradiated animals that are about. And like you're not doing glamorous things. You're doing stuff like getting in a makeshift kayak and rowing out to an island where some dude who could, like, I'm sorry, back up a step. Uh, you literally leave the Metro from the previous two games on a train. You're going to some mountain that allegedly has some giant military complex. It is revealed in this game that part of why uh, uh, Moscow has never made radio contact with anyone is there's people going around Moscow literally jamming radio contact with the rest of the world because the last orders that were given to the military that remains was we are still at war, et cetera, et cetera. There's the game plays with this concept in that like literally one of the characters spends all his time expecting occupying forces to become a thing you have to deal with. And you as the player are like, yeah, I have yet to see that. What I have seen is a roving pack of radioactive wolves a bunch of fish cultists and bandits. Where are these occupying forces? I bet they have really good guns and night vision helmets. I would kill a person for a night vision helmet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I like the... I, and, I, and I think each of these games, each of these sort of yeah. post-apocalyptic games, has they've tried to give them a unique look and feel because yeah. Oh, yeah, and, they and, don't... They don't feel samey. Like, oh, like and Metro the, the ones is that I've so met... fucking bleak. Like it, it is the yeah. most like everything about that game is just grim in the most amazing way. Like where Fallout's like, yeah, nostalgia. This game is like nostalgia. That is what killed us. Yeah, and yeah, and the sort of, I mean, it, it has its comedic notes, and it, you know, it's it's yeah, a completely different feel. Oh, yeah, like but the comedic fallout. notes are like the darkest shit ever, too. Like, there's oh, yeah. only like a side quest where you go and save a little girl, like you rescue a little girl's. Um, you, you don't have to do this actually. You rescue a little girl's teddy bear from like a nest of gargoyles, and the entire time people are like, "Why the fuck are you doing this?" Like, it's a little girl; she'll fucking get over it. <laughs> oh, that's in Metro Exodus. That's in Metro Exodus. Yeah, like, it's a, wow. a side quest is like. You rescue a little girl and her mom at one point. It's like, hey, um, mm. if you get a chance, like, if the gargoyles carried off my teddy bear, can you, like, get this back? I hear you're going to, like, the foundation place where they're hanging out. Like, if you can, can you deal with this? And, like, everyone's, like, all the NPCs are hanging out with her. Like, dude, don't do that. That's suicide. It's a <laughs> little girl. Fuck her. Like, we only have so much ammo and medical supplies. We can't sew you back together when the gargoyles rip you limb from limb for going and getting a goddamn teddy bear. Yeah, it, that's 
Yeah, that's 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 an interesting quest. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I like and and I like the fact that the a lot of these games also are trying to go for different look and feel. Yeah. Like for instance the you know fall the new uh Far Cry definitely has this sort of neon yeah. bright very brightly colored and neon colors thrown in it which I kind of like it. I like the way it looks. Yeah. Personally. And Metro makes colors horrifying. Like it's the gray, yeah. white, black, it's those are comforting colors. You see something colorful, you immediately go, "Oh shit!" <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's super cool. Yeah, I, I've, I've, yeah, I've, I've looked into wanting to play it. But, I, uh, not I've, yet. <laughs> I have not played enough of this one. Like this one has a lot of the Metro jank all the Metro games have had. Uh, mm. the, the two previous ones are available in like the Metro Redux collection, and I cannot recommend those enough. They are. So so fucking good. Like it's the the first one came out with some problems, and they actually remade the first one with the combat system from the second one. And that mm. first one, as a result of that, is a just masterfully driven. Like it's it is a amazing survival horror game at that point. And mm. like you mentioned, the look and feel of things, like all the stuff you love about Metro Returns, the bleakness, the kind of like salvage military aspects, the pseudo steampunk style guns are back with an extra flair on them because this game has a crazy crafting system. You, unlike other games where you just would like magically make pipe bombs and shit, RTM, the main character, slings off a backpack that's like, here's all your shit, and it's like, has to fiddle around with parts while you're doing this. You're super exposed to things trying to kill you, or you can hang out in the safe house and do that. Like it's, And you're doing stuff like swapping barrels and making better guns. Like, I... The silent pistol I had at the start of the game, I've upgraded into, like, a sniper rifle, which is awesome. Cause now I'm rolling around the Russian apocalyptic wasteland with that and a uh, shotgun. And I'm like, mm. this is the loadout for this game, because I'm ready for when things are quiet. So, other thing to mention, the way the game works is you can go in guns blazing. You shouldn't, because you're going to die, because there's not that much ammo. But the game, like, encourages you to, when you can, stealth it out. And then when things go mm. bad, whip out your loud gun and finish him off. Like it's the you're going into a bandit bet, you're going to like a bandit uh, compound. Even if there are three guys there, there's a very real chance they will fuck you up because there's more than one. Like it's a game all about like evening the odds in your favor. Like so, it's like lots of skulking around and blowing out candles and like disarming yeah. booby traps and all that jazz. It's it's a really cool game in that regard. I, it's uh, the aiming feels a little bit weird. You can fix out sensitivity some, and I also got used to it. I the game is not flawless as none of them are, but it's a really good game. Like if if you're riding high off of a Resident Evil two kind of survival horror thing, or wanted to always play something like it, it's very similar to Stalker, the old PC franchise that like again were oh, yeah. flawed but really cool games. This feels like the most polished Stalker mm. ever. Hmm. Like it puts off those vibes in a good way. I, it's, I just love the Metro games so much. <laughs> They're so cool. I, 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 it's it's weird being this excited for a Metro game when I think like the first two are very underrated, and this one kind of had a weird advertising cycle. And this one's weird. Like it's the, I kind of miss the exceedingly linear, like almost like by the hand style of the previous games, but like. When that pops back up and you get the amazing set pieces the franchise is known for, 
it feels cool, and they're not like over the top Call of Duty ones. They're very intimate, horrifying. Like there's a point early on when like a, a mutant grabs you, and it's a terrifying moment because it's like it, if you're playing correctly, the first time you've encountered that mutant, so it's like oh shit, I'm about to die, aren't I? <laughs> like how yeah, did I he... fuck up? Oh, it's a, it's a cutscene. Cool. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, it's. Metro's real good. Uh, it's I, I wish I was playing it on the PC because I get the impression the PC thing is amazing. I think Digital Foundry like used uh, that game to show how ray tracing works, and mm. I kind of get ray tracing now. But also, like my initial reaction to that, like the stuff they put out is, isn't this just a better graphics card? Like it's the what ray tracing does doesn't look that much better than just better graphics card to me. But also, I'm a luddite and don't fully get what ray tracing is. But like. They're worth checking out. Like the black, the, the darkness in that game looks amazing with ray tracing. Well, well, that's that's the thing. All right, so on a very quick primer on how ray tracing yeah. and how that's different from other three D warp versions yeah. of doing light basically is. All right, so most of the time it's kind of being faked, and so we're actually, in a certain sense, drawing eye rays towards the eye in a certain sense rather than going out from the eye. And no, so... It, it feels like that. Like it, It's one of those weird right, things where so, like, light sources feel realer all of a sudden, but also, like, I've never, outside of one or two games, been like, man, these light sources. But yeah, the way... Yeah, so that's why you're going to get a darker darkness yeah. that's still, that feels like shadow and not just, like, uncolored territory. And so, yeah, with the eye rays going in and that sort of a model... It's and it's done because of the rasterization process and the way they have to rasterize basically a 3D world onto a 2D screen of a certain, uh, uh, you know, of you know whatever you know 1080p or whatever, whatever resolution yeah. you need. But yeah, the way ray tracing works is the way light actually works, and so not just rays kind of emanating out from the eyes or into the eyes. It draws everything. It in yeah. Instead of modeling from say your own, you know the way it should look from you, it models the scene properly, and models light properly. The way light refracts and reflects off of things more accurately in a certain sense. And so yeah, a ray tracing ray trace scene way more expensive to do. Way more expensive because you end up calculating stuff that won't be seen by a camera at least like at a certain moment so that's the other thing that eye rays do for you is it means that you also don't end up modeling or doing the, the massive calculations for light and shadow work if something's not viewable like if you have a car sitting behind a wall the eye the eye ray version isn't going to bother modeling the way the car is going to work reflectively and the way it's working with light Whereas, uh, unless there's some reflection of light from, uh, but in any case, you aren't going to see, it doesn't bother calculating it for the most part. Uh, whereas with ray tracing, you model the light. Instead of making eye rays, you make rays from each light source onto each object in the scene, and you end up calculating everything based on that. And so, yeah, you are, so it's a, like I said, you, the eye ray system, you only draw what's kind of seen and what the eye would be able to see. In the ray tracing scheme, you draw rays from every actual light source and then model the light accurately, or at least as accurately 
to an extent that you want to in a simulation. So, yeah, it's way more expensive, and that's why it's not normally done in most games because it's it, it can wreck your CPU easily if you're not if you're not careful. Yeah, I, it's I'm playing it on the PS4 because I heard the um, PC version was glitchier, and while my laptop is capable of running some impressive stuff, I, it's not the most powerful workhorse out there. I so I definitely can't speak to it. The games have always been like stupidly graphically impressive on PC, and which I was mm. playing on it because eventually I will have my better rig back and everyone's getting all its glory. But yeah, I that actually makes a lot of sense. Like the, the the digital foundry stuff is really cool. Like they have that slider thing they do of like with ray tracing without ray tracing. And it's like yeah, that mm. that is some candlelight. Yeah, like I said, it's actually modeling rays of light out from every yeah. light source rather than just kind of drawing how things would look according to your yeah. eye and drawing rays out but yeah it's it's if you're paying attention it's stunning but a lot of people probably wouldn't notice i want to see it in a game like thief now or something i guess it's weird because mm. like metro has such an emphasis on kind of skulking around in the dark that it feels like the perfect showcase for that game like it's yeah uh, like a game like Call of Duty or even like the next thing I want to talk about, Anthem, won't utilize ray tracing in a way that will matter. But like a game that's so about darkness and kind of the mm. utilizing like pitch blackness to your advantage in combat and just like th there are parts of that game where like you obviously are going to lose a fight and the correct move is to just get in duck, uh, get in the duck position and slowly walk past all of it. And hope nothing sees you. Mm. Yeah. Like fuck, this is a franchise that in the both in previous two games, when you get the night vision goggles, you become OP. <laughs> it's like, yeah, night vision, time to slaughter. Mm. At the same time, it's the franchise where like when you're out of power, you have to manually pump a generator, repower that stuff. So it's like, yeah, using that electricity. <laughs> Not a flash. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, it uh, sounds if, super cool. If you've never played the Metro games, go back and check out the first two. The, it's, I, I, I still think the best one of the franchise is the first one because the second two are kind of building off of that world and the first one is all about just like shellacking you in this beautiful, horrible world the games take place in. Like, the second game is the story of kind of life in the Metro as a, like, military persons or like you're, you're not you're part of something called the um spartans or peacekeepers essentially but it's like yeah no so that's the nazi terminal why because the people there went fascist and that's the communist terminal they're cool up until they're not and what about that terminal oh we don't talk about that terminal why that's the people mm. and what are they oh they're people <laughs> no, no they're just people -eaters. you know it's funny it's funny about the you know the people eaters thing it's like that's pretty yeah. realistic. I mean, if there's not a whole lot left that's actually edible, you're gonna... I mean, the thing is, there's there's quite a few yeah. animals that cannibalize, that will cannibalize yeah. their own kind. We, we have a social taboo towards it, but, you know, in the post-apocalyptic era, I, I think that is one of the taboos that will go away pretty quickly. We'll see, probably. Maybe not in our lifetime, but... If you're a podcast listener who um is in a post-fuck situation, write in and tell us about that, I guess. 
<laughs> please don't. I want to be. Uh, I, I don't want to be complicit in a crime, but also do please. I, it's yeah. It, the books that the games are based off of too are fantastic, and they do a much better mm-hmm. job of emphasizing the fact that the culture of Metro lives off of pigs, mold, and mushrooms. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Mushrooms don't need light. Just fertile yep. soil. Which you make from Usually pigs. like poop. Which yep. poop works yep. very well for that. Yeah. If I mean, and it goes with the whole, you know, trash in, trash out. If you're feeding your pigs well and their poop's gonna be clean, like if they're if they're eating grass and just normal stuff like that yep. or whatever, then yeah, you're gonna get some pretty good mushrooms yep. off of it. That's- the games don't focus on that, but man, do the books. Like this entire chapter is dedicated to like, oh, that's the mm. pig farming station. It smells terrible. That reminds me. I mean, all right. So in the in the social mores thing, there's uh, Stormbreaker. I don't know if you're familiar with that bell. movie, but it's about the last remnants of humanity are basically on a train that's oh, constantly roving the world because everything's kind of frozen over, um, and it's just in this forever loop. But, like, one of the big reveals in it is, like, these protein cubes that these sort of lower classes have been eating are made of <gasps> bugs. And I'm like, people eat bugs now. How is... Th- Snowpiercer. Yeah, gosh, I I don't know. I, sorry, I don't I, know names I, of things. Uh, it was such a not great movie. And that was one of the things that struck me as, like, that was supposed to be a dramatic, dramatic reveal. You do know that there are places around right now where it's like perfectly normal to eat insects maybe not roach cake, like just period but i mean these were mainly made of beetles and stuff i guess and oh it was i mean but in any case it's like it's it's just bugs i mean and the fact that they actually managed to mash them up into yeah. a bar and that seems like a, actually an idea to feed yeah. the world i mean make use of our insect biomass but uh, yeah it's social mores are going to be different when there's not anything around and that's why i was like well how why was because that was played as a big reveal in the movie it totally was like oh, we're eating insects and i'm like you're, you're eating insects people have been doing I, that I for like ever that case like it's the, the movie plays with the idea they haven't been impo- like there hasn't been a full generation on the train yet like, there are still people that remember the outside world and the pre-train life and hold on to the idea of maybe we'd like, ah, uh, instinct for growth. I, I don't know. Like, also, I suspect, I'd say, it, I'd be fine with it ultimately, but, like, finding us, I was I was eating cockroach candy bars, I'd be like, I am less okay with this. I'll eat it still, because... Eh. Well, I wouldn't... Like, like I said, it's like, maybe it's the cock... The fact that it was cockroaches, cockroaches and not another type of bug, but it's like... Like I said, there's, there's, you can eat yes, bugs I, now. I, like you can go to place, and and it's just like it's just I, protein. It's, they're they're almost entirely it's protein. Cockroaches, I think that's that's the bigger part of that reveal. Like it's the, I've eaten st- I, I've eaten bugs before, like as delicacy, not as like a fucking teenager on a dare. Like it's they've been cooked or whatever. It, yeah, it's cockroaches. Like it's the like I need them. I think I would eat these things, but not cockroaches. Why? They're cockroaches. Yeah. And yeah, I guess I can get that. But like I said, when I when I saw that in the movie, I was like, "Oh, I mean, literally, that was yeah. my that uh, like because it played all this dramatic swelling I, it's, music it's when he far finds less it." Of a dramatic and I was like, should, they, "They want it to be a big deal. Like the sushi car is a bigger deal than that." 
yeah, it, yeah, I was, yeah, it's just, uh, yeah. But yeah, that's what I'm saying, like, you know, that, and, yeah, it's, I, I do like that some more of the post-apocalyptic stuff I've seen has kind of tried to play around the, with the idea that social mores, they're gonna be different when there's super scarcity. Yeah. But anyway, that's enough about Metro. <laughs> I played another game this week that I we're gonna get controversial for a little while on this one mm. because I think both sides of the argument on this game are wrong. <laughs> Everybody's I, wrong. Only no, Charlie I, I'm is not right. right. Like, in, like uh, <laughs> we're gonna talk about Anthem now. I, I I've been playing a lot of Anthem. Okay. I am playing Anthem after the um, the uh, day one patch went out a week after the game became available to people, which is a weird world to live in. But like, so, mm. and before we get into it, I believe all of the crazy technical issues people encountered or have been encountering exist. I believe like all the weird disconnect issues people have had exist. I I, I, I believe all of the stuff that people got hung up on, on like a technical standpoint have happened to people. Yeah. I have yet to experience any of it. I have disconnected from the game twice. Like, I had my computer freak the fuck out one time and lost internet, which was ha as likely it was my computer being a fuck-up as it was the EA servers being a problem. Like, it's the... My experience with that game has been it looks great, it runs great, it's a lot of fun to play, and... If you're having technical issues, I'm not trying to say you're not, but some of us out there aren't, and we super aren't. And, like, some of the stuff I've read about happening, I'm like, how the fuck does that even happen? And it's like, I've seen the video of characters vanishing in cutscenes. I haven't had that happen, though, at all. I, again, I'm playing post this, like, 1.0 patch they put out, and I feel bad that it really felt like that early access week was, like, a last-minute polish test thing. Like, again, like, that's not okay, but also, the game wasn't officially released when a bunch of you got into it, and this 1.0 patch seems to be a big fucking deal to this game. Like, people spend a lot of time complaining about the loading times in the game, and they're not that bad, in my opinion. Like, it's the free game with full matchmaking, and, like, I, I played a lot of Metro. Metro had straight-up, like, five-minute loading times occasionally i haven't had that well, anthem then... again like i'm not saying i'm the norm like i get into a thing in a minute or two not an amazing loading time but also like definitely not the worst i've dealt with for multiplayer content and i i, I don't know yeah hmm that's interesting yeah uh, well a uh, get a uh, get a a solid state drive b uh, get a modem that's not a potato. So, I'm just talking to the people who are having troubles with those two things. Yeah, you can't always help your internet connection depending on where you live. That's super yeah. true. It varies wildly. But I will say this: solid state hard drive will do you a ton yeah. Of like, good. I, like again, this is not me trying to dismiss a bunch of people's technical issues with the game. I am playing this game on a laptop that's a pretty powerful but, like, not the most powerful thing possible. Like, it's the, this is a laptop I'm willing to bet most people could afford. It's the size of a small table, admittedly, but, like, it's it's not the most powerful thing out there, but it's, it's beefier. Mm. 
Yeah, uh, and it's yeah. a laptop. Come on. I mean, yeah. Yeah, so if you're yeah, if you're not having too much troubles on a laptop, then yeah, they've probably programmed it I, relatively well. I I can't speak to that because like again, like I've seen all the evidence people have out there of technical issues and I haven't had yeah. that problem. Like again, like it's the I said last week in last week's podcast, I thought about getting into that early access stuff, but I'm like Nah, the first two accesses were kind of jank. I'm gonna wait for the like day one patch to come out, and like so. And mm. this is where I kind of get into the kind of conspiracy theories that surround this game at this point. A lot of mm. reviews for this game went up before that 1.0 patch went out, and I don't know what life prior to that patch was, but. A lot of those things mention stuff that's just straight not in the game anymore. Like there's a there is a quest in the game that also like didn't seem that bad based on some people's complaining about it, but also mm. like it's not in the game in that way. It's super doable now. Like to the point of maybe being too easy, but I I, I digress. Like I I'm having a lot of fun playing Anthem. Like is it a perfect game? No. Are the loading times a little bit too long? Sure, but I'm having a lot of fun. Like it's the javelins are really cool. The story, like it's the this game is on par with Destiny Year One, in my opinion. Like it's the I think it has mm. a better story. I, it's the I have a lot of fun playing it, and that's why I keep playing it. Like something I really dig about the game is like again, like to get into kind of controversial stuff. The the multiplayer part of the game and the story part of the game are weirdly divorced. We're like. If you're not in your javelin, you're in first-person mode in Fort Tarsus, kind of wandering around, and hmm. I initially thought that was a weird choice. It solves one of the weirdest issues with modern video games of this type, which is like, you're not the special, you're just some person and what you're doing is special. Like, I so, to digress some. The, the lore of this game basically boils down to you're on this planet. This planet has some weird thing called the Anthem of Creation. A dumb name, but a really cool concept of like some prior culture called the um, Shapers managed to find a way to essentially like harness the power of God technologically, so they can do hmm. weird ass shit with it. Like yeah, it gets the it's essentially like a matter replicator, but like if it went it went wrong and like got out of control and like made like gravity invert or like made wolves that breathe fire and shit. Like, so, the, the <laughs> world of what Anthem is sets it up to be a really cool backdrop for a game like this because they've established lore-wise you could just have a zone courtesy of Shaper Tech that just has fucked up gravity or it's all floating, like, mountains or whatever because that's how this world works. Like, it's the it's a game where fire-breathing mastodons post-apocalyptic raider dudes, <laughs> wolves that shoot electricity, giant bear gorilla things, like insectoid guys in armor, and people in like power armor mech suit things make sense to be all together because all the crazy like sci-fi shit was made by this technology gone rampant and just like breathing weird ass shit into reality. Like I the the bug guys you fight like the scars it is implied they are literally an accident of the 
Shaper Tech going nuts and making the scars. And they are like super evolved cockroaches. They're insectoid, I guess, that chose to mimic humans as the correct biological form and like made mech armor for themselves as a result of it. And hmm. you play a freelancer. You uh, to rewind some, I guess, again, like maybe a spoiler, but not really. So to deal with the bullshit insaneness of this planet, humans create javelins. And javelins are fucking power armor. And it makes, like, it's the, how do they make this? Doesn't matter. You're on a planet where, like, a fucking orb can summon bears. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. You'd make power armor. So, yeah, that's, Making power armor is definitely a thing culture should do in that situation. Yeah, it, it sounds like they've come up with sort of the practically the ultimate deus ex machina. Like, like in that it's actually literally a god in the machine. Yeah. I mean, they, they took that term and made it, it sounds like they made it literal. They, they took that term very literally. They literally have a god yeah, in the machine I, that the creates everything. I, I find that personally well, so pretty like, and the best thing, like The best thing I've heard explain <laughs> this whole concept is they have taken the game designers and written them into the story of the game essentially as like weird techno gods that vanished and left a fucked up planet for humans to live on. Yeah, and it's not the first time we've had sort of a precursor technology yep. gets found and does wild stuff, but it sounds like an interesting yeah, it, take on it. They make it, they, like I said, they, it sounds like they made it even more of a deus ex machina than other deus ex machina yeah, technologies like, it, 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 it's, that it's, I've it's, seen. Like, I find most deus ex machina stuff kind of annoying where it's like, oh yeah, wasn't that convenient? There's nothing convenient about this. Like, it's the half of the game, like, the entire crux of the game revolves around the idea that when Shaper Tech goes bad, millions of people lose their lives, and like mountains turn into giant sludge monsters. Like it's this idea where it's like, no, no, our ongoing struggle isn't to survive; it's to stop this shit from turning on. Because when it does, <laughs> bad shit happens. Yeah. So, and like this kind of gets hmm. like the more pressing, like relevant parts of the game. So there's that. Back when humans made the javelins, made their cool-ass mech armors, there was a lady named General Tarsus, who was a fucking badass, who led a series of knights, whose whole thing was, yo, we're dealing with Shaper Tech and all the bullshit it creates, we're helping humanity, and but she died in kind of a, like a ridiculous struggle, as mortals do, kind of thing, and her faction, and her, her mm. team kind of split up into three factions, the Sentinels, the Freelancers, and the Dominion. The Dominion are kind of the Nazi assholes who went north and were like, yo, peace through superior firepower, bitches! The Sentinels are the ones that are, like, obsessed with, like, no, we gotta help humans, we're gonna, we're gonna hang out in bases, and we're gonna, like, humanity first, guard, 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 shield walls, all that bullshit. And the Freelancer, which is what you play as, are kind of the natural progression of, we were in this for the adventures and to do cool shit, we're kind of mercenaries, but also, like, we're heroes, but heroes in the way of, yeah, we're dumb enough to go outside the walls and be like, yeah, I'll fight a bear monster for some gold. Fuck it, why not? <laughs> like, it's the, again, they've written into lore kind of you as a video game player. It's like, okay, you want to be a hero? Cool. Here's this entire suicidal group of people that, like, are very aware just how dumb what they're doing is constantly. Like, it's the yeah, we're going out into the wilderness where lightning can occasionally shoot out of trees for no goddamn reason in power armor 
to get like basic supplies or like figure out why there's earthquakes or something. Yeah, it, it's cool from a lore-wise perspective, and a lot of people feel like the lore's not there. I haven't beat it yet, but I know what's going on in this game pretty well. Like I, I've also made like it's the so when you're back at Fort Tarsus, it's first person. It's very kind of a la Bioware's previous games. You talk to people, they tell stories, and again, like lots of reviews have been like, oh, there's no Bioware story there, and. Mm. as someone who played through all of the original three Mass Effects relatively recently I think these people have the weirdest nostalgia issue going on because like is Mass Effect 2's story in this game no but also Mass Effect 2 didn't have the story lots of people think it did like it wasn't oh yeah like it wasn't as good as everyone remembers that goddamn game being not in a bad way. That, that's definitely the best Mass Effect. But if you're like, oh, there's hundreds of hours of talking to people. And I'm like, yeah, there was. A lot of it was shit. Yeah, a lot of it is just like, yeah, not terribly interesting or useful. And that's, uh, yeah, I, I, I personally have always felt like the Mass Effect as a franchise was massively yeah, overrated. I, I, I love Mass Effect. And like, I, I'm kind of on board with you at this point. Like, it's the, would I love an actual Mass Effect 4? Yeah. Was I kind of okay that the idea of there's going to be Mass Effect ever again after Mass Effect 3? Yeah, also. And, like... Yeah. People have this idea of what... It's bio- just... Yeah. Alright, go. I think, yeah, I mean, the big thing was it's... It, it did the same... It, it promised, and it said it didn't, but it did the same tropes of you're either super evil or super good. There's not really an in-between. I, I, I guess I've seen that so not very well, like, I've seen that so commonly in most games, period, where there's no difference between Paragon and, like, like human butcher, and it's just, it's just kind of, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Like, it's as, it's just as ham-fisted as most RPGs. I just think it was really the fact that it was an RPG with, you know, nice, realistic-looking yeah, graphics. Yeah, and good combat, comparatively. Yeah, and good combat, yeah, I- yes. It's weird, like, the, uh, a lot of people are like, oh, there's no one to talk to in Fort Tarsus, and I'm like, there is, there's like ten people you talk to, and I kind of dig them, the whole story, of the side story about how one of the other freelancers, like, uh, oh yeah, you're not the only freelancer, you're like, you're just one of many, and that kind of helps the grounding of why there's multiplayer in this game, but like, it's the, a, an NPC freelancer wagered their javelin and lost it, and you don't oh, wow. fix it. You just kind of talk them through some options of what to do. Like, you're just kind of hanging out, talking to them. And that's all you do. Like, there's another side one where, like, there's a lady who is a farmer. She actually develops, like, a fancy hydroponic farming. And you hook her up with a baker who's like, yeah, I can't get flour because of the kind of issues we're having with, with getting supplies in. And that's all you do. No shooting required. Just being like, hey, you should talk to the lady getting drunk in the bar because... She also wants to help out with this shit. <laughs> I, yeah, it's 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 weird. Like it's again, it's not Mass Effect. It's not giant and bombastic and over the top. It's very grounded esque, but it's also like now, like the level of interaction is there. But also, I don't think any of you remember what that level of interaction was. Like it's the you've all imagined this game that like I've played recently that was good. No, you're very wrong about what that game was. Yeah, yeah. 
But in any case, not to just sit and yeah, I, I'm having a lot of fun. <laughs> Dump on a beloved yes. franchise. No, that's the issue. Like it's the all the reviews are like this is a bad spot for Bioware, and I'm like Dragon Age has been a bad spot for Bioware, you fuckers. Every Dragon Age game yeah. has been a bad mark. Yeah, not only were they technically problematic, the storylines were like really, really. Two is an undefendably bad game, in my opinion. I haven't played two, but I've two heard. Two is the yeah, game where you could same. go from zero to sex by accident in like seconds. Like it, <laughs> that. That was a game where uh, it's like, okay, I don't want my character to bone down on this character. That was the hardest thing about that game, and I hated it for it. Yeah, that's that's pretty gross and I, dumb. I'm exaggerating some, but like it was like, man, <laughs> I did not mean to fuck that character. Literally. I was trying to play a character this way, but yeah, no, I we're boning now. Great. Yeah. I have not mm, got to boning an anthem. Yeah. I believe it's not in there. So if you're worried about that, it's is a game you can play in front of children up being like, oh god, Timmy, leave the room. <laughs> but but so I, I guess to get back to Anthem for a second or to actually focus on Anthem specifically. I'm having a lot of fun. Like it's I the story part acts as both the tutorial and the campaign. Like it it, it teaches you the world, if you will. It's not the best thing, but mm. I'm interested. There's a cool plot twist in it. It feels believable, and it sets up this idea that like you're a you're a freelancer. You you, you fly the javelins. My favorite detail is that like it's not just like you put on power armor. It's the idea that javelins are unbelievably hard to control. Like mm. there's a character that spends a lot of the story being like, "Man, just put me in a suit and I'll be out there with you." And when he does, they basically spell out the idea of, like, no, most people can't fly javelins. It requires a mental stability that a lot of people don't have because of the way it works. It interfaces with your brain. And if you freak out, the javelin loses its ability. Like, it's the idea that, like, you have to be serene in combat or your javelin straight up does not work and locks up on you. So it's basically Evangelion yeah. or... Gundam yes, and you are the new Shinji. Types. You are Shinji. You are a bitch. You spend all this time complaining about being in your giant mech mom. No, it's it's not that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, also like in Gundam, the new type, which is the people only people that can kind of really pilot a Gundam for reasons. But yeah, uh, this is kind of super reminding yeah, I, me of it, that that. I, I, it's one of these things where it's like it does not need to exist, but the explanation of why everyone doesn't have a javelin, I think, is really cool. Like it, it's the you're mm. not the one, you're not the special. You're someone who's like a little bit messed up in the head enough that like you can be flying at a hundred miles an hour in an Iron Man suit directly at a giant murder bear and go, okay, this is cool. Whatevs, we doing this? This is normal. <laughs> Let's do this, bear. And, like, there's a character in the game they touch upon can't be a javelin pilot anymore because they're too messed up. Like, they don't have the clarity for it anymore. Which is cool. Mm. I, it's Like, so, the, the campaign is what it is. Like, it's the, you go do things. Like, where this game shines, I think, is in the free roam mode, or the free play mode, and not a lot of people are talking about that, where it's, they dump you into the overmap, you kind of go around, and just there's stuff to collect and explore, and, like, there's all kinds of Easter eggs to pick up and collectibles what's actually happening is like every three minutes a public event pops off and public events take five minutes to do 
topped. It's hmm. kill these things, collect these things, shove these things back into another thing, and then go to another part of the map and keep flying. Like it's the flying from point A to point B will give you five or six public events in that flight path that you can do. You don't want to, but they're so fast and easy. Easy is going with it. They are hard. You will die if you're doing them solo or not smart about them. But they're like, yeah, you can just pop in, pop out if you want, and fucking whatever. Like it's the, it's a game that like you can just kind of jump into for a chunk of time and spend some time to, like you've accomplished something, which I don't think Destiny does it well anymore. Like it's the, it's got that Warframe thing going. So yeah, just pop in, pop out, whatever. Yeah, that's it, pretty it, cool. I, I think the game shines in the free play mode because it's like you feel like someone in a power armor on patrol. Which a lot of games, like I think, try and attempt, but like it's the they never quite nail. Like it's the you're just going around dealing with shit. You've dealt with shit because you did those story missions and those dungeons and stuff. But like it's yeah, whatever. You're just doing your job. Hmm. Your job is to stop the radioactive scorpions from getting into the fort. How do you do that? Kill a lot of them scorpions. Yeah. Up oh, those scars are setting up a camp real close to the base. Better go bust it up real quick. Oh, they're back. Not surprising. Go kill them again. There's bandits <laughs> in the mountains. Just might kill bandits. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm having yeah. a lot of fun with the game. Like it's the, and I feel real bad because like it's the. Is this game a ten out of ten? No, but it's not a six out of ten either. Like it's a, it's a really solid eight out of ten. Like anyone who was super on board with Destiny One, there is something in this game that's for you. I think like it's, it's very. It feels a lot like the joy I had. In Destiny, and like again, like I'm having so much fun with the game. Like, does it like are there some bad loading times? Yeah, is it kind of annoying? I can't like swap out the gear I just picked up. Yeah, but Warframe did that. I didn't have a problem with Warframe. Like, it's are the missions all go to a thing, activate a thing, and shoot things? Yeah, but that's also Warframe and Destiny, two games I've played a shit ton of. So, yeah, yeah, it's. I'm having a lot of fun. Like it's the. I don't get why people are down on this game for being like other games that like. Oh, it's the other one does it better. I don't know if it does. Okay. Like <laughs> it. Yes, a lot of the missions devolve down to defend the checkpoint. Yeah, but that's the division and Destiny Two to a T. Like it's the Warframe's even worse. For the most of the missions there are go from point to point B, murdering everything in your path. What if just murder? Yeah. I just because like better food exists doesn't mean I can't enjoy yeah. like French yeah. fries, I, for example. I, like, I would argue this is like the In and Out <laughs> Burger compared to the Five Guys Burger. Like, does the Five Guys Burger stomp on the necks of all that kind of fast food gear stuff? Yes. Is this a totally yeah. good burger for when you're drunk and or hungry and or on the road and or just want food? Yeah, it's fine. It's good yeah. even. Yeah. And you're, you're, yeah, it's good. You'll actually enjoy it. So, yeah, it doesn't have to, and, and I guess, yeah, I guess as a reviewer, to some extent, you need to be a little more objective and say things like there are other games that do this. But, yeah, uh, it shouldn't take, it shouldn't make you feel like I'm not allowed to enjoy this game yeah. because X. Yeah, or because it's not the greatest yeah, like, thing I, ever. I wish there was a companion app for the game, not because, like, it would add much, but because. I keep unlocking this index shit, and I'd love to read that index shit while I'm, like, going to the bathroom or something where I have, like, three minutes to burn. It's like, oh, what the fuck is a scar? Ah, oh, that's what a scar is. Cool. 
Mm. Like, a lot of people gave Destiny one shit for offboarding all the Grimoire stuff, and it, it felt like this the like, you don't get it. Like, it's the, I don't want to read this in game. I want to read this on the bus. You know, I got 10 minutes to kill. Who the fuck is, um, Dredgen Yor? Ah, oh, he's the thorn guy. Interesting. Like, it kept mm. you engaged in the world outside of the game, which I dug. It's like, oh, it's loading. Huh, what's the thorn? Oh, it's a gun that was made from a flower. That's dumb. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's... There's a lot there to like. There's a lot of imperfectness to it. I Next month is when the, quote, endgame stuff kicks off. We'll see what that is. I, mm. I like Anthem. I expect to play Anthem for at least the next couple months kind of thing. Like, it's the... I have put money into Anthem to buy a some armor for my javelin because I want it to look cooler. Like it's the, I didn't feel bad about that either. I've also ground currency to buy some more upgrades, so like it, it seems fine. It, if you're really playing this game the way I think some people are playing it, which is like already up to a hundred hours and the game's been out a week, like it's the, you will never have to pay for anything with real cash. You're fine. <laughs> also, maybe don't do that, but. Do you? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, I like Anthem. I shall be talking about it for a little while. I think people need to just chill the fuck out on this game. Like, it's it's no worse than I think Destiny 1 was at launch. Like, it's the... A lot of people forget things. A lot of people... Like, it feels like it's getting the Apex treatment where people were like, ah, fuck EA, so fuck this game. It's like it's... You know, Destiny was part of that company that just laid off like 800 people, so... Yep. Video game companies are bad. Mm. Yep. But yeah, that's what happened up to this week. Uh, Anthem and Destiny, or not Destiny, um, Metro. I, it's fun to be playing both. I, I checked out For Honor for a brief hot second because I don't fucking know why. I go back to that game every once in a while and be like, yeah, I wish I liked this game more. It's real cool. Mm. What have you mm. been up to, Henry? Um, not, I mean, alright, so I still, still have not replaced my graphics card, so I'm still using the onboard graphics card with my motherboard. It's, it's existing still, I mean, so, I mean, it's, it's still there, but, yeah, I, so I play some games that aren't particularly graphically demanding. I, I had a chance to play some Network Doom 2, like some Deathmatch. Uh, like original Doom 2, except on uh, something called Zandronum, which is a it's a network client server system, essentially for Doom and Doom 2. And yeah, I was play. We were playing registered copies. It's so cheap. I mean, it's just five bucks on Steam, so I just bought it. But yeah, uh, but they did something that I thought was sort of like expected, but also travesty. In that you can duck and jump in that in that port of doom, and I'm like that you you aren't supposed to be able to do that. You, you can't that 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 completely takes away from. Well, it makes some of the levels obsolete, like in a certain way. That is, like it, it being able to jump over certain objects just makes the level no longer make sense. That is, you can just do big skips mm. on the levels. And it doesn't matter so much in deathmatch, I, I guess to a certain extent. But I'll, just me being a big nerd and knowing about the level design of Doom Two, Doom, and and that series and the people involved, just lets me think that you're yeah playing it like that, playing Doom 
on a client that allows you to do things that were never intended breaks these levels, these very carefully designed levels that were designed around these mechanics, around the fact that you can't always jump all the way up to something or you can't, you can't, you just can't fit in some things. But yeah, it's, that's what was kind of weird, but it was fun. I had a lot of fun playing Deathmatch. I hadn't played, I hadn't played Doom in ages, to be honest. Like, it had been forever since I had played. And when I'm saying Doom, I am, again, I am talking about the original one that came out in the 90s. But yeah, that was, that was kind of cool. I, I don't know what experience you have with Doom and Doom 2. Did you play them when they came out? <laughs> Were you old enough to have played them when they came I out? I don't know. When did they come out? I mean, that was like in 95, I was alive 96. by then. Yeah. And so, yeah, and that's that was my first times playing it, was basically when they initially come out. But yeah, going back and playing them, it was cool, but it's like, it's not something I do on a regular yeah. basis. There's way, way better now, and it's, I'm not blinded by nostalgia glasses. I mean, like I said, I, I had a certain quibble with the introduced mechanics in the port because it breaks certain levels. But, I mean, I, I think it's interesting that this is just, that people are still playing this. Do you feel it's aged well? Um, to a certain extent, yes. It's, it's very interesting in that it's, it was just so much more well-polished of the game than anything that came out sure. at that time. It's that's and that's and the fact that it was well polished in its mechanics and all these different things is, I guess, is the way the reason it's kind of stuck around. That and it's easy to mod, that they that they gave you straight out of the bat mod tools to to do stuff with it. But yeah, so that that was that was cool. That was a uh, that was a, a little bit of a cool thing to try out. I personally find um, your ongoing adventures and like low graphic impact games fascinating like, <laughs> it's shitty i know but part of me is like i want to keep this up because it's cool hearing about these games that don't like, so many games there's like poorly rendered and optimized these kind of they require that ridiculous graphics card and, and you keep finding these really yeah. kind of cool sounding like it's the are they the best game no, but they're fun and they run on a memory they run on a basic graphics system in built into your like this is neat these are fun games to hear about yeah, uh, I also played Gorogoa. I I don't know how if that's how you pronounce it, but it's it's the puzzle game that came out not too long ago. Man, that game is clever. Like, and I'm rare to say something like that. To be honest, like it's it's something that I withhold from a lot of puzzle games because a lot of there's too many puzzle games where it's just either the puzzles have don't seem to have anything to do with the game itself. That's kind of how I felt about Path to Memnescene, that the game's puzzles were just sort of completely divorced from the game from the game's story. In Gorgora, it's it's super clever. It's just so I've never played a puzzle game like it. It's just really. I mean, it's not a very long game if you've played sort of. I guess, puzzle games to a certain extent for a while. You won't find it too hard to go through. But the solutions, man, they are clever. It really plays with the idea of frames and windows and stuff like that and and scale. And to go beyond that would give way too much. But, oh man, that's such... And it's graphically gorgeous. I mean, the, the, the way the drawings and this stuff, it's just really, really extraordinary. But yeah, it's... Man, that game is cool. 
I mean, I've, I've definitely never played any other game like it. It is, it's, yeah, the puzzle aspect of it is just, I can't get over it on how clever it is because I'm just thinking, like, how do they design this? How do they think this would be, you know, this would be this puzzle and this would be the way to solve it? It's, it is so clever. It is super, super clever. I mean, too many kind of games like, you know, I've played a lot of point-and-click puzzle games, as it were, maybe not necessarily puzzle games, and just, and I like lots of different types of games, but, eh, puzzle games, and I've played a lot of varieties, but, yeah, that one, you gotta play it, it's just that good, and it's, it's really mind-bending, and once, what it figures, when you figure out a solution, because it was so kind of well-packaged and executed you get a really good feeling whenever you solve solve one of its you know one of its mini puzzles yes it was like yeah that took some brain power that took some cleverness to actually figure that one out have you played it Goa, right yeah i don't know actually i'm familiar with the name definitely but i'm not sure i've ever actually spent much time playing it i'm frantically looking it up so i can if i can jog my memory how do you spell it g-o-r-a goa G O R O Goa, but yeah, it's it's a yeah it's yeah it just in every way it's an extraordinary game. It just goes to show you it you don't have to make the fanciest game with the fanciest 3D graphics that or you know AI or whatever. It just takes playing with the idea, and it's something I like to try to teach in some of my classes. Is that you need to be willing to think of games and video games as a medium, not a genre. Not a genre where this is the way what you should expect out of this type of game, but go beyond it. Think it because a part of video game design is game theory, as in the mathematical sense of game theory. And when you start thinking and you start going beyond what does it mean to have conflict in a game? What does it mean for something to be a game? Once you start to actually explore that, I think that's where you we truly find some of these really unique ideas, really neat ideas, and that's definitely a a super cool. I do know this game. I mean, I won. Yeah, yeah, and but yeah, it's it's just so so clever, so well done, and yeah, it and it's not going to put no. <laughs> much stress on your video card. It's definitely not going to put stress on if your you video card. If you have a 1998 computer, it might stress that video card, but... Yeah. But yeah, it's... Yeah, it's just so well done all the way around. Uh, yeah, and so, yeah, it's part of my, I guess, ongoing quest to continue to play I, games that aren't going to... I find it super impressive, man. Yeah, I'm just... And the thing is, yeah, it's... Alright, so I played another one, too. Another played another smaller, oh. kind of, super cheap game. Uh, Beatrice. And so, I don't own a Switch, because... And I'm desperate to play Tetris 99. Oh, that's that's literally right up my alley. That will be the game that actually gets me to buy a Switch. And I'm not even joking about that. That's gonna be the game that actually, like... Okay, I need to buy a Switch now, because... Man, I love Tetris. So I bought... Yeah, so I picked up this other one... Uh, a bit ago, called Beatrice, which is, it's just kind of musical Tetris. There's not, it's not a whole lot to it. It's a very simplistic game, but it's actually fun. And so I, I think 
I started playing it because of being reminded of Tetris 99. I mean, all right, so I'm a person that's actually played and been very good at Tetris the Grandmaster. I have not managed to get Grandmaster level, because to get that, you have to play through the credits, and where you don't see any of the blocks, neither as they're dropping or when they're placed. Uh, I don't know. Have you have you watched people play? I have it, watched some high level Tetris it? play. I it's, I enjoy Tetris. I do not have the love for Tetris a lot of people have. Yeah, I guess it's because I. All right, so I had an original Game Boy, and that was that was the game that came with the Game Boy, the original Game Boy, and so I played hours and hours of that, and so yeah, I have a. I definitely have a very special place in my heart for yeah. Tetris. I don't know if you've ever looked into the history of I, Tetris. No parts of it. Like I, but, I read the graphic novel based around the Frederick suing a company over it. Yeah, it's, it's, and that's the thing. It's like more than one creator, and so one of them works at Google, and is it was sixteen at the time he was working on it. He was a programmer on it, and and if you, for those that don't know, Tetris was released while. It was still Soviet. There was from Soviet Russia, from USSR. That's and so there is this. That's why you see Elorg as the kind of producer of the official Tetrises of the time. That was sort of a a it was a government controlled company that kind of had to do with exports that were allowed. It's so I mean it's it's a part of it's the history is interesting. But yeah, so one thing you can still download, and this is pretty cool. It's a dot from this guy's website, this uh, former developer of one of the people who originally developed it, is a version of the game for DOS, and it still runs at the speed it should because they actually have a real timer programmed into it. And so it doesn't just, if you can like get it to run, it won't just run super fast like a lot of DOS games will if you let them. A lot of DOS games will literally run as fast as your CPU will allow. This one does not. There's actually a built-in timer. Oh. And for a game of that time to have that sort of technology, that's incredibly extraordinary. That is some ridiculous programming there. Cool. But yeah, it yeah, but uh yeah, I, I like the uh, I guess being the super nerd, I like the whole history no, of Tetris, I... and so I I'll play practically any Tetris you, you throw at me. I mean Tetris Effect being another one that that uh, I would love to play if I owned a system that could play it. Uh, Tetris, uh, or yeah, it is. Yeah, it is called Tetris. But New one, right? Sure. But yeah, it's only on. Yeah, one, what's right? that? Yeah, it's the one on. It's it's yep, only on PS4. Yeah, and that's another one. Man, I want to play that game. All these Tetrises are coming out for systems I don't <laughs> own, and it's making me super sad because it's literally my favorite grant grip game franchise i i and i say that in all earnestness it's like and i've played i've played a lot of game franchises and tetris is still my favorite it's the one that's never let me down i'm looking at you sonic you know some kid played but, that new tetris effect game was like man this is real cool for a start of a franchise yeah yeah hey you know what if tetris effect is your first entrance in the tetris then good Tetrises. you didn't play Oh yeah, I, I guess you're aware I, of like the first some of the first Tetris cells created for the NES was under Tengen, and Tengen was like 
basically illegal one of the co- one of four or five companies that were illegally making games for the NES by via reverse engineering. Yeah, I there's one I hear about a lot like Sega made a Tetris game at some point that was like just unforgivably bad in the Tetris community. Uh I I don't think I played that one. I'm uh, You only play the good Tetris. Sega Tetris. Yeah. I I mainly only played the good Tetris. I mean the, the Beatrice that I played was was it was all right. It was fine. It wasn't great. I mean it I mean it wasn't like amazing, but yeah. it was fun to play. Um I I've never gotten a chance to play Puyo Puyo Tetris. I do play Puyo Puyo as well, so I'm I'm kind of aware of both franchises. I'm a fan of both franchises. But yeah, uh I yeah. Um, well, yeah, so, but yeah, that's, that's kind of, you know, what I've been playing, you know, there again, games that aren't going to burn out my Intel graphics chip, and it is Intel graphics chip, it's Intel's HD graphics. Fancy. You know I mean? Yeah, hmm, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> aka, it, it, it will, it will display an image on your monitor, and that's, that's pretty much Behold, it. Behold, but... graphics. Yeah. Singular. <laughs> yeah. Uh, even playing a moderately kind of like a little bit more game. I like I, I mentioned the playing the vagrant. Yeah. And that game was giving it was starting to sound like it was gonna melt my computer <laughs> and it's a it's a two D game and I was like, okay, I need to I need to take down the resolution. And undo some of the graphical stuff so that it'll play better. Uh, I, but I probably can't continue playing. This, <laughs> but yeah. So, I, but yeah, I'm continuing my adventures in games that won't fry my computer. But that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, I, I didn't really play a whole lot of extra games other than that. I mean, uh, you know, I played a little bit of Terra. Um, you know, I'll go ahead and mention it. You know what? It's just a little aside. Um, because they've put PUBG into my Terra. They got PUBG in my Terra! And I'm like, I don't know. So basically, all that really got added was a new vehicle, which just looks yep, like a that's car. that's what PUBG has. Yeah, and and if you're not familiar, Terra is like high fantasy. The highest of fantasy, like people wearing crystals for outfits fantasy. Yeah, and so, and skins, and the skins are just like, like, Yo, button-up white shirts and ties and jeans, which I guess uh, that seems like the blandest possible thing you can brand a franchise on. Like t-shirts with necktie, or not t-shirts, but button-up shirts with neckties and jeans. I mean, that could be anything. That's that's not that's so nondescript. But yeah, that they can get that skin in pub in Terra now. Why? I'm not quite sure, but I'm sure some people have. I mean, I have a I have a dress up skin on my on my Terra characters, and so I mean, but yeah, I mean I I I mean I'll I still do hop in and play Terra every so often. But they got PUBG in my Terra. But anyways, that's that's yeah. my week. That's it for weeks. I guess. Time for news. For news. Oh, I love the fact you're stealing Alex's bit. This is great. 
Yep. And I did it oh, yeah. better. This is good. <laughs> this is good. Uh. <laughs> All right. Uh, we got some news this week. Um, uh, starting us off with some funny news. A shit ton of people bought the game Apex Constructs thinking it was Apex Legends. <laughs> oh, Not really people. news, but I think it was fun. Uh, oh, I, oh, oh, and it's been a great boon to the Apex yes. Constructs people. I hope I hope not everybody that did that on accident just went yeah, and got a refund. Yeah, I, I hope they don't too. I hope they gave the game they bought by accident a shot. I, it's this is not really mm -hmm. news, as I said. I just thought this was so goddamn much fun when it floated across, <laughs> and just speaks to how bad a name Apex Legends has. Yeah, uh, primarily most of the sales were in, I believe it was China, mm. which doesn't matter, but it explains maybe the jump from one language to another being the cause of the confusion. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> uh, well, I hope it was a I, lot cheaper. Well, seeing as Apex Legends is free, it oh. wasn't. Oh, yep. yeah, that's right. Uh, That's right. Mm. Yep. Where to go next? This is a fun week. Uh, let's do what Fallout 76 mm. next, I guess. And so uh, initially, I was kind of rolling my eyes at this when I heard it, but. uh. Bethesda got out there and unveiled a roadmap for 2019 for Fallout 76. And they've, they've actually got a, a certain amount planned. It seems like they're, they're kind of hedging their bets a bit. You know, not, but uh, there, there's, but I'm like, there's a, there's a future for Fallout 76? There's actually a future for Fallout yeah, 76? You could, could have fooled me. Well, and like, Weirdly, some of the stuff they're talking about sounds like maybe okay stuff. Like it, it sounds like what you would want in a game like Fallout seventy six. The most immediate of which is something called uh, uh, Wild Appalachia content. It comes out March twelfth. It will run till March seventh. It's, it's focused around mythic, a mythical beast of some kind. Uh, fucking Mothman's already in the game. So who the fuck knows? Yep, looks like cryptids yep. are going to be in the game. Or more cryptids, I should say, are going to be in the game. What if 76 just evolves to uh, a cryptid game? Uh, hey, you know what? It'd be better than what it is now. Yeah. That, yeah. If it's literally nothing but cryptid spotting, I yeah. could get into that. But, all right, but the next most, I think, feature that they're adding, I'm brewing and distilling. Sure. That's that's a they're they're adding that in there, and you as a person that's actually done some alcohol making, <laughs> I'm sure you can. Video find that games are hubris. so lame when it comes to how they handle this topic. Oh yeah, everything's oh, yeah. so instant. It's like ah, you made moonshine. I'm like, where's the three weeks of me going? I can't tell if the air's kicked off in there yet or not. Like, is it alive? I can't tell. Yeah. <laughs> All of this sounds like it could be cool. It kind of sucks it took them this long <laughs> to get to it. I, we didn't talk about it last week. They just got done doing a major purge, I guess, of like duped items and stuff uh, for balance reasons. I, It is neat to see that they are supporting this game. I don't think this fixes the fundamental issues with the game, but... The main issue, which the, none of these things... Literally none of these things seem to be dealing with is the fact that 
the game is sparse. Yeah. Like that's they just need to put in interesting NPCs into the game. I mean, they do that with every MMO. I mean, how many MMOs have you ever played that lasted any time at all? That had like nothing in the towns, like nobody to talk to, like almost nobody to talk to, just sparse, yeah. sparse the whole game. That's then that's and they still don't seem like they're good. They're dealing with that, and that seems like like guys, you know, dudes. You did you literally forget the only re the only real reason or the only real thing that made Fallout universe interesting yeah, in the first that, place? Yeah, that's such a weird topic. Where like if this wasn't a Fallout game, I think people would be more on board with it because Fallout implies a certain set of things. This game does not deliver. On. Yeah, and a big one, yeah, and a big one is really that, you know, the game, a populated game world, even though somewhat sparsely, a pop, a populated game world with intriguing characters yeah. in it, within, with, with, you know, that fit into the larger narrative or are doing their own thing. And I still don't see anything adding that. I see some seasonal stuff and some new mechanics, but, they gotta add, they if they want people to stick around the game they gotta give a story yeah. something I mean it just seems ridiculous to me but yeah mm. like some of the things they're talking about is like oh we're adding legendary vendors and it's like okay I thought there were no vendors in the game but there are yeah mm. yeah I mean it sounds like kind of the the plans for fall are looking to add a new main quest line, yeah. it's, it's, it's among other things, but um, that sounds like that should have been what the game literally yeah, shipped with. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not to jump back to Anthem too heavily, like, there's been a lot of talk lately about <laughs> the idea of if big titles just launched early access for this kind of rough period they go through, would you be better off? And also, like, if every game now gets supported after its release, like, what is the release date of this? But seriously, mm. what is the release date? Yeah, I could see. I don't think you'll ever overcome the kind of weight that is the bad press fault 76 has had. But I also like it's the. <laughs> as much as I don't think you should devote time and resources to fixing Fallout 76, if you want to, you should. And if you can make a good game out of it, power to you. Like, I think Anthem's in a similar batch right now where the reviews for it are primarily bad. I'm not going to rehash what I just said a couple minutes ago, but like it's this idea where it's like if you support something long enough, it can get good. Like, fuck, For Honor is still around. Yeah. And and ultimately, like Destiny and Destiny 2, I suppose, for the similar reasons, once they actually, some of their DLC yeah. that they released really made the game. Oh, yeah, no, like Destiny like, 1 was really, really by the first day, uh, by, um, not Forsaken, that was Destiny 2 that got fixed by that. Like, both Destiny games have been have been fixed primarily by a giant year two piece of DLC dropping and fixing almost all the issues from year one. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, definitely you can invest in something and give it a chance, and you can improve it. It's not like you put out a game and it's necessarily impossible to prove. Yeah, improve. Not I mean. um, what's it called? This is not Animal um, Space Station, whatever it was. That game, like, literally could not be beaten because the final mission is glitchy. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
but it's cute. They think 76 is the future. But yeah, I, I mean, they it could. I just, it doesn't seem like they're dealing with the the big elephant in the room. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I ain't got to tell you how to spend your money, Bethesda. Nope. Um, let's talk about Fortnite for a couple seconds. Uh, not so much Fortnite specifically as so much that there was a unofficial Fortnite festival put on in the UK. And it sounds like it, it went about as well as the Fire Festival. I, it's so... I, <laughs> you're not wrong, but like we need to stop just throwing around the Fire Festival as a comparison as a culture. Like, we need to bring back Dash Con and Nathan Con, like things of comparable mm. scale. <laughs> like, like yeah. no one wound up stranded on an island because of Fortnite Live. Like, I, it, it sucks. It was shitty. It was bad. <laughs> but like, no one was at actual risk of their health. Like, this is more. They showed up to yeah. a convention space. And there was a ball pit. Like. This was a fan convention gone bad. No one's pressing criminal charges mm. that are in the billions. I, yeah, I, to catch you all up, we don't, don't aren't looking at the article uh, from February sixteenth to seventeenth in uh, Norwich, UK. There was a Fortnite festival called Fortnite Live. It promised all the ultimate Fortnite battle royale experience. It did not deliver. It was ultimately like an archery range and a rock climbing wall and some other stuff that like. Even compared to DashCon, this is more of a thing that you wouldn't be upset to attend in theory, but it's also being sued. It's being sued currently by Epic. You know, uh, you know, I'm disappointed. They didn't. They doesn't even look like they had a no, laser tag. I, set yeah. Up. And and those and and having I'm a person who's actually been a part of putting on big events. Laser tag is not no. that expensive to get. It's it's they 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 have inflatable they bring their inflatable barriers and a bunch of guns and that's it and you know and some people to watch over it of course and that's that's pretty much all you have to worry about I mean and they didn't it sounds like of all the things they should have had in their Fortnite thing they should have had a laser tag system come on or paintball or something yeah it's yeah like I said laser tag is even less messy and less wavery yeah you're right actually <laughs> yeah. Like you, you don't have really have to sign much of a a release waiver for a laser tag. It's it's not super dangerous. You aren't gonna put your eye out unless you literally stick yeah. your gun in your eye. But yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, it's, this it was a thing done for two days. It there's actually a two day yeah. festival. The t the tickets were yeah. cheap though. I'm looking at the price of the tickets. That's that's pretty darn cheap. Yeah, but it's there's those wristbands. Like it was the double cost experience. That that maybe that's where the Firefest comparisons come because it's like, oh, put all your money on these wristbands, yo. Oh, okay. So to do the some of the activities you had yes. to pay extra? Ooh, ugh. So that's yeah, I can see why, especially looking at what it provided, people might be like, mmm. I think yeah, I, I just see a, you know, a, and I don't think it was a, like a, just a cynical cash grab. Yeah. I feel like 
people who put it on, they genuinely like Fortnite a lot, and they want to do something yeah. nice, but, you know, good intentions, yep. you know. <laughs> but like I said, Epic's suing them over it. It's not quite clear what that will mean, because mm. this is obviously not a rousing success they wish to put an end to, but, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what they're expecting to get out of a thing that probably didn't I, make any money. I think this is more you kind of have to. Yeah, but you... Uh, I mean... Like the, the, this, in my mind, is very synonymous with like when Disney sues something, where it's like, is this a... Are, are you impeding on a market Disney cares to care about? No, but you gotta keep the brand pure. You can't have a bunch of like shitty things out there when you Google Fortnite pop up and are like, oh, maybe Fortnite isn't good. Especially at this point where Apex yeah. Legends is out there kind of stealing people away from other battle royales. But it's like, like I said, I don't think, I didn't see this as a cynical crash gra cash grab. I feel like this is a, something oh, no, done. I, I'm not saying it is. This, you know, is more like, with, this is more like it's the epic going, you can't do this because we don't want this showing up when you Google it. Yeah, but it, it does feel like they're just a gigantic company just beating up on a tiny event company that Basically, they're just going to bankrupt simply out of legal fees, and I think that's kind of messed up. Oh, well, I think that's really messed up. I mean, Disney's done similar things. A lot of these big companies have done similar things to just smashing down on somebody that was never really going to affect them in the first place. And I feel like this is something that just kind of makes them look like jerks that are dancing on the, the already all, the already run over corpse of something that didn't work I think out in the first place. that's going a little far. Like, I, it's you're not wrong, but I think, I think there's a certain level of you need to stop more people from putting on half-assed festivals using the Fortnite name. And this is how you do it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and I, I guess I can see that, but... Yeah, it becomes the problem if you let it happen once, then it happens more and more, and once it's like an epidemic, it's damaging, and it's the, well, you didn't sue the last four guys, but we're suing now. Well, the last four guys didn't get sued. Is not a legal defense, but does make it harder to uh, to kind of shut that shit down. Yeah, and I and I guess you know they did utilize the yeah. name in a certain way because that did make the you know more attended than it would have been otherwise if they would just call it Kane Convention yeah. featuring Fortnite. I know it's very much that we you used our name. You can't do that. Yeah, I can see that. I I guess I mean I guess I can understand kind of both sides of this, but. Yeah, I, I don't like the idea that they're probably going to put this little event company out of business very easily, just with legal proceedings. I, I assume but the event anyway. puts company out of business, but yeah, it's that's why it's more like Dash Call. And it's, it's like, ah, we shouldn't have done this. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, but Epic definitely has the money to do whatever they yeah. want, I guess. Speaking of epic yeah. money, I uh, they just put a hundred million bucks on Fortnite esports. That's a lot of money. For something they that's haven't gotten a lot of money. Either. Yeah, that's yeah. I that's 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 an but wow. I mean, all right. So it's like the solo champion will take home three million dollars. Yeah. That's that's a lot of money for winning yeah. a tournament. Holy crap. I mean, that's that's winning the lottery level of money. That's wow, that's Yeah. That's they have they have a lot of money they now. They have don't a lot they? of money now. Yes, they do. And they oh keep making God. a lot of money. And I, yeah. so 
and I put my cynical Charlie hat on for a second. Like this, mm-hmm. this very much feels like so. How much have you been following kind of the Apex Legends demolishing shit on Twitch trend? Uh, I I'm, and I notice okay. it. I notice it's it's just, yeah. So yeah. like where Fortnite previously was the number one thing on Twitch, it took time to get there. For a while it was PUBG, then Fortnite overtook PUBG, and Fortnite's been there for a while. And then Apex Legends came out of nowhere and kicked that shit down real fucking hard. And does not seem to be showing signs of stopping. And on top of that, something we don't mm. talk about a lot on this podcast, or is talked about a lot in the context of Fortnite, is Fortnite is really popular in the U.S popular other places but it's like the center of its popularity is indeed the u.s it's not yes. hurting because of that but like in the rest of the world PUBG is still actually the preferred battle royale game or it was because yeah. apex legends is picking up steam in the u.s but also all over the world in a way fortnite mm. never did yeah um well i think in a certain way, it's because Apex Legends just has... It's just going to have a longer oh, no. shelf and life. It's not me kind of saying one's worse than the other or whatever. It's my point being, like, it's the... Apex Legends is doing a thing. The idea of something coming out of yeah. nowhere and have taking down Fortnite the way it's doing it. Like, Fortnite's doing fine. A shit ton of people are still... I'm not, I'm not meaning to sound like it's the Fortnite killer, but, like, if you're epic... You don't see a world in which something comes out of the, a stealth release happens and it basically bodies your game all of a sudden, which is what happened. Yeah. And I think Fortnite's kind of in a weird situation where it's got to do something. It's tried esports before they did not go over well. The PUBG stuff has had bad esports. People seem receptive to the idea. The mm. Epic stuff has not been. The Fortnite stuff has not been well received at all. It's like, eh, this is problematic, and. Like what makes yeah. that game appealing to people seems to be the streaming aspects of it and the building and things. And when you take away one of the big markers of how much it's being streamed with a game that is not even a month old yet, that's a big fucking deal. Who knows yeah. if Apex will hang ultimately? Like I, but they have plans and it's made by EA. It's not like it's PUBG where it's a small company. It's it's got some force behind it, and you gotta wonder if this type of move is very much aimed at, we have to keep this shit relevant, because we are making way too much money off this for it to fade away. Yeah. And I've heard some anecdotal stuff where it's like people that are on like buses and stuff, hearing kids talk about video games, and where it used to be Fortnite, it's now very much Apex. Like it's, There's been a dramatic culture shift away from Fortnite. Mm. That is, I mean, it's, I think... I mean, I guess this year we might really start to see some sort of exhaustion with the with that style of game. Yeah, and I think it's I think exhaustion is the wrong word. I think we're going to see battle royales settle into the world they were always meant to, which is battle royales are a game mode. Like that's how yeah. they existed previously, and PUBG kind mm-hmm. of popularized the concept of it being a full game. And it's it, and I think it will work. Like kind of like it's the, I I could argue that like PUBG and Overwatch from a number of game modes perspective are comparable. Yeah, you have to find some way of keeping people hooked. And I think where Apex does really well, mm-hmm. it's got that kind of Overwatch fan investment in its character. 
that like ultimately are just classes, but they have enough personality that people seem to care about them or writing fan fiction, making porn about them and stuff like that. You you've got people hooked in a way yeah. that like no one cares about Fortnite. Like the idea of a character battle royale, it's not really a character battle royale, it's just a battle royale has legs and there yeah. are some character to character differences, but they're more classes than anything else. And I think that really fucking yeah. works. Yeah, yeah, I th- I agree. Um yeah, I, I think I think that's like you said, it's it's where it started and it and it's probably going to be the way forward when when you know when the craze finally starts to die down a bit a bit more and it settles into what its base what its gamer base is just going to be for for a period of time but but i guess that's the funny thing in that you know if we mentioned this here on the podcast that they don't actually plan on keeping fortnite around all that much longer which is kind of interesting when it when in in the thought of they just now invested a whole lot more money in it it's it's actual planned life it's has some planned obsolescence and it's and it's not actually going to be for that much longer so i think that's that's going to be an interesting thing i mean do you think they're going to sell it off yeah sorry Hello? i lost you for a big chunk there um yeah oh something on my internet mm. but in any case yeah i mean I guess, uh, yeah. I mean, the the battle royale games—they're gonna be a while, they're gonna be around, but I don't think we're gonna see any more that are like you said that are PUBG that focus almost entirely on the battle ro- the battle royale is yeah, the game. Yeah, and I, I I think Fortnite fits in a weird void where it's I never got Fortnite. I get PUBG, I get Apex. Fortnite always seemed kind of like it's truly a game mode. Like, it's a game mode you can... Because it's part of a bigger game that never took off kind of thing. And that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Like, it's... I think the future of Battle Royale... It's a new genre. It's a weird thing. I never could see another genre come out in my lifetime, really. Like, it's... Yeah. Fortnite has its gimmick, which is the building thing. But it's a gimmick that's very polarizing. <clears throat> Either you like yeah. it or you don't. I... Yeah, I'm actually I'm actually a fan of the gimmick. I think it's it's a cool thing to I throw into a game. I suspect you wish it wasn't a shooter with though. a game. Um, no, I mean, oh, I- I'm fair. fine yeah, with it being I a shooter. I said you'd kind of be like, I wish it was just a bu- good building program. Yeah, I'm, we already yeah. have those. We oh, have fair. lots of those of of varying levels and competencies. But yeah, I think it at least you know that's the thing that still kind of sets it off from the others is that mechanic, and it really is often a game mechanic. That can distinguish certain games, especially ones that have from a very from the same genre, essentially. So yeah, I mean, I I I not I mean, and Apex Legends, you know, threw in some other ideas and game mechanics as well, and that's what's distinguishing it from other similar yeah. games. So we shall see. But mm, yeah. indeed, as cynical as that sounds, mm. yeah. Yeah, Epic put a lot of money into that esports thing. Let's see if it pans out. It seems like a bad move, but I don't know. Yeah. Uh, what to do next? Um, Reggie Fizeme is retiring from uh, Nintendo. Uh, it'll happen in April. He's being replaced by Doug Bowser. 
I initially put in the show notes that Alex had 60 seconds to make all the Bowser jokes he wanted, but if you want to take that time, Henry, you're welcome to it. Oh, yeah, I mean, I'm waiting for the inevitable Bowsette artwork uh, version of him. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> ah. Bowsette oh, yeah. was pure, then oh, yeah. Set happened, I'm like, no, we've gone too far. We, we Every day we straight farther from the light of God. Bowsette was wholesome. But I am... No, I... But, no... But it's all about Chompette, though. See, I'd be more okay with that than Boosette. Like, it's the, the idea of you have a ghost, and then you're turning it into a sexy ghost. Like, what was the ghost before it died? Like, this sounds terrible. Kind yeah. of terrifying, but of course, the whole, the whole Princess Crown thing in general is kind of terrifying. And wow, it's... It, yeah. Uh, not to go completely off the topic, but, you know, the, the crown itself created a lot of interesting fan theories. And gamers about, are apparently like, thirsty instance. motherfuckers that will draw some shit. So, just just Doug Bowser, just saying, dude, look look forward to uh searches on your name bringing up things that will haunt your haunt your nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because we are we are horrible. We are we are terrible. I'm Humans sure are he awful. knows this. He worked for Nintendo previously. Yeah, I, 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 it's just so good. That oh yeah, no, that's Bowser. the joke they've made for years. Like this is not new, which I think is probably my favorite part of it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, did I you mean, see the video when he got hired and, originally? Like he used to work for I think it was Activision. He moved over to Nintendo, and it's like a picture of him being like, mm-hmm. "I love Nintendo," and it's some um, fucking Luigi and Mario tied up the Nintendo sixty four controller in the background. <laughs> Oh, uh, he's got to capture yeah. somebody. Oh, uh, but Bowser. yes, uh, jokes aside, uh, Reggie Fils-Aimé, after 15 years of stepping down as, uh, what is it, the COO of uh, Nintendo America, he's being replaced by Doug Bowser, who was North America's current senior vice president, so it's uh, up sales and marketing, so it it makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, it's a step up from, I mean, he was already kind of yeah, at it, that level, he was at the executive yeah, level not anyways. some power grab or reggie's not lost to some castle right now this is pure business that makes a lot of sense um i i never quite got on the reggie train lots of other people did i always found reggie a little bit off-putting but fun but i'm kind of hoping uh doug bowser brings his own twist on this uh on the whole kind of gimmick because it could be a lot of fun yeah oh yeah I mean, I want to see him have a very awkward E3 presentation. I, I want him taking the E3 stage in like a um, Koopa King logo tie, just all black with a red tie with the Bowser logo on it. Like, that's what I want from this. Yeah. Yes. It's 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 a part yeah. of his contract that's required. Yeah. one hand, I'm sad to see Reggie Fisa may go. He's been quite a presence in the gaming industry. On the other hand... You've definitely earned it, dude. Your body was ready or something. I'm sad Alex is here. He has all the good Reggie jokes yeah. and beef with Reggie. <laughs> oh, Reggie. Reggie, you were you were a you were a pure yeah. cinnamon bun. You're such an awkward joy. That is the best way of describing it. Maybe <laughs> not the cinnamon bun part, but yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's definitely awkward. Mm, sits weird in the mouth. Ah. Moving on. Um <laughs> We talked about ray tracing earlier, and this is not necessarily a serious article, just something I found kind of funny, because 
it's bizarre talking about this way. Uh, Star Citizen developer got out there and said, man, ray tracing sounds like a massive headache. These are the people who implemented sign language in their video game and have worked on bizarre stuff like using webcams to make your character's mouth move. So the idea of these psychopaths getting out there saying this seems like a pain in the ass does not bode well for the tech. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, like I said, it's... To put ray tracing into your game is is completely different from the way you generally do 3D graphics, 3D rendering, period. And that's why it's such a... It's always no, going to be a tremendous thing to add like, that to any game that wasn't just I, created I, I, I with it. I put this on here so we could talk about the idea that, like, it sounds very much like ray tracing has to be a decision you make at the get-go. It's not something you can adapt to later yes. down the road. Yes, absolutely. It has to be a part, an essential part of your game engine to begin yeah. with. You can't just, it's not something you can turn on. Just the the technical side of it is, it's completely different in theory, like in the theory section and in the execution section from how you generally do a 3D yeah. scene. And so, yeah, it has to be an essential part of the engine because it does it so much. All the mathematics are different. Everything's different. Yeah. So, yeah. I can see why that they, they would be like, yeah, it sounds like a cool idea, but nah, probably not for our game. Yeah. And the article we're pulling some of the stuff from is very much aimed at the, like, man, if a game like Star Citizen is worried about slowing down their production with this stuff, how much kind of slowdown does this thing cause? So, who knows? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see what happens with that tech. It sounds cool, like it looks cool, but, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh... Doing a happy one. Uh, this one's actually specifically for you, Henry. Darkest Dungeon Two is coming. Indeed. Woo! Oh yeah, I have definitely been playing yep. that game. I didn't play it this week, but I've typically been playing it because it. I think it teaches you a very valuable lesson in losing and how to recover yep. from losing. Because man, like you will. You will yep. lose lots of your characters. You 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 are meant to have characters yep. just go off and die all the time. It's just the way the game goes. You you come up on a really unlucky series of events within the dungeon, and it's just well goodbye character permadeath. Yep. They aren't coming back. You know, and any money and stuff that you invested in them, you know, and the time you invested leveling them and the money, that's all gone. Yep. Just they got to deal with it, and so. Yeah, it's yeah, and I'm and I'm interested to see what they will do with the sequel because the thing is, and and this is I'm wondering what new mechanics they could actually come up uh, with, like what kinds of new mechanics that wouldn't just be like tacked on Darkest Dungeon, Dun Darkest Dungeon well, DLC. Well, I got the impression the Darkest Dungeon DLC was actually pretty expansive, with whole new classes and mm. added a lot more story. Oh, it was to it. absolutely. Yeah, I mean, they added in a whole Cthulhu yeah. thing, for one thing. That's what one of the DLCs did, which is a, and kind of a new game style, a game mode, actually, for it, for the for the dungeons. So, I mean, it's not like I doubt that they can do something. I'm just interested to see what they're well, so going to do. Uh, the, I mean, that's really what it comes down to. They talked about how, basically, the idea is that you're no longer in a village. You're on an expedition, so it's... Mm. Kind of the meta game, if you will, has changed to adapt to the idea that you're no longer in one spot. It's not a town you're building up. It's kind of a character, mm. if you will. 
and it, it takes All place right, in so. an icy pass, I guess, or like in the mountains of some kind. So it's possible there'll be some mm-hmm. kind of like base management aspect to it now. Yeah, where the base management to the first one is really just making parts of your yeah. base better. I mean, like there's there's no having to deal with the town being attacked or anything like that. You just it's just the town's just there. And all you can really do is improve the town, and nothing is really. I mean, not to say that that's small, but oh, I'm no, just saying you didn't have to. You didn't have to defend from bandits. That, like you never have to do that in the game. Of like food, yeah. or something being a thing you have to manage on a yeah. meta level. One one thing. One thing I ho- kind of hope they don't do is put in an Oregon Trail vibe into that, because all right, so I I, I played another game that tried to do that. Um, gosh, I can't think of game name right now uh it was a game that was kind of in steeped in norse mythology and it was banner a saga. strategy rpg yes banner saga i didn't like that game um because i felt like it's or oregon trail parts were not good and like wildly random and it's and it well of course on the other side it's i felt like it's actually strategy rpg its tactical rpg gameplay was incredibly shallow so i'm like it felt like two half games made but yeah i don't want to see the oregon trail aspect thrown into darkest engine 2 i think that would just that would make the game from difficult to just frustrating for no good reason because the game well, well i say that because the game is difficult enough keeping people alive in your party is difficult enough without random events happening while you're in town that will destroy sure. your characters. I mean, alright, so there are some random events that happen in Darkest Engine 2 in town, but they don't really affect your characters too much. Like, you, there's no fear of your characters dying while they're in town. And I don't, I don't want that to be a thing in the new one either. Because that's just... Like I said, it's, it's enough... But the game is hard enough. It's just difficult enough without just throwing complete randomness into just screw you over. I mean, that's the point of Oregon Trail. Oregon Trail is entirely a game about that, but I don't want to see that in my Darkest Dungeon too. Yeah, I, I think it's one of those ones where the Darkest Dungeon was so well received, we could do nothing but wait and see what they do. Like, in a weird yeah. way, Darkest Dungeon with like tuned up gameplay is not the worst thing to want to either. They said they're gonna kind of. Tighten it up, yeah. if you will, which would be cool. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I definitely look forward yeah. to that one. Uh, the, the biggest detail that's important to note is the, um, apparently the iconic ancestor will be making the return, doing the voice stuff, so, yeah. Mm, that's the best part awesome. of that game in some ways. Yeah. Um, trying to avoid more layoff news while we can, so we can finish off with that before we get emails. Um, Mm. Talk about the ray tracing stuff. Google has apparently been unveiling something at GDC on March 19th. Um, it's probably a streaming service they were testing a couple months back with uh, Assassin's Creed. Not much is known about this at this mm. point, but yeah. I'm guessing they're wanting to dive into the whole Twitch because, uh, but that's oh, this was a thing. game they... streaming thing. Like it's oh 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 yeah, oh like game streaming. Oh game. oh yeah. It's an idea that's been played around with so off so much. Like I've seen so many companies that thought about it or tried to do it. Um, if you remember, there's a there's at least two games consoles built around that idea yep. that never either came out and nobody cared for or were yep. never built. 
but hmm, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, if anybody has the money to throw at it and the frame and the already framework to deal with it, it also I would mean, benefit that's Google. Them both. Like it's the the idea of trying to compete directly with a Sony or a Microsoft is foolish. The idea of being able to stream hmm. games to a cheap ass box, though, like a what's the word I'm looking for? That um, what's their streaming stick called? I'm blanking on the name. Like a oh, Chromecast. Chromecast. That's something you can sell. Yeah, yeah. It feels, especially if it was something like a a uh, a Chromecast that you could just plug yeah. into a TV, into the side of a TV via USB, and then it just works. Which sounds like they, I mean, there again, Google already kind of has the technology to do this stuff. Yeah, they already have Chromecast. So, kind of like a halfway step between what we're talking about and nothing. Hmm. Yeah. We'll see. Hmm. Uh, next up. Uh, not just like gaming news, but I felt this is important to talk about because we talked about this in the past. Um, there's a really real chance YouTube might to be might about to get really fucked up again. And hmm. I only bring this up because I guess Epic pulled a bunch of their ads. I guess Epic as a makers of Fortnite pulled Fortnite ads from the platform. Because it was, I guess, being played in front of videos that were part of, like, pedophile rings or something? Oh, yeah. God. Yeah, it's... Yeah, I, I mean, you, you read up on it, it's like... I understand why they, you know, why they did it, but I... Like... I, it seems kind of heavy-handed to remove it from... They're just like, alright, so... We want to not be involved with any of this... And so we're just going to entirely remove ourselves so literally it's no longer possible for this thing to happen. One of, because one of for for a video to get flagged, I mean, it, you know, you have to have people on there to flag it. And not every video gets flagged that's yeah, that's doing illicit and disgusting stuff like this. But no, yeah, what you're wow, talking I mean, about is previously gamers was the one being blamed for this because a lot of ad markets didn't want to have their stuff rolling before potentially violent gaming. Me and Alex talked extensively about the idea that Coke... Yeah. We, we always use Coke for some example. I'm not sure why, but like the idea that Coke might not want to be before a top 10 kills of the week Call of Duty compilation video or something. And I threw this on here because yeah. it's nice seeing an instance of like, nah, YouTube's problems aren't gamers, it's YouTube. Like, in the fact that there is no content curation on that platform, which is why you have shit like this. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, there's... There's no active sort of. I mean, and I can kind of see why it'd oh, it's be impossible. very difficult yeah. seeing the billi billions of videos, and I, I have no idea how many are uploaded per day, but I'm guessing it might be in the in the in the hundreds of thousands of videos are being uploaded every single yeah. day, if not if not possibly millions. I have no idea. I just know that uh, there's no way you could actually like manage that. To actually have people have oversight over that, but that's the thing. I mean, that's this is we're in a stage of technology where we don't know all the answers, and we're still just experimenting. Yeah. Even the experts, you know, and Google and YouTube. I mean, that's these are experts. These are tech experts that are also working with you know marketing people and everything to try to figure out answers to some really difficult yeah, and questions. And part and of the so issue right now is that YouTube has tried very hard to move away from humans actually moderating stuff, which it's very algorithm-based, which is impossible. a problem. 
yeah, it is a problem, but there's no easy answers around that. I mean, like you said, like, you know, it's, yes, the automatic content system, automatic content policing system is problematic, but how are you, what's the alternative? Actual people like, watching videos, the which just brings up a whole which other set of problems. Literally yeah. impossible, which is why they rely on sort of community reporting, and at least they have pretty easy ways to report yeah. pretty much anything. I mean, that's, yeah, when there's that much content, and, and you know, that's that's something that Steam's been running into as well, is just like, how do we police all these thousands upon thousands of games? You know, how do we, there has to be something automatic because it's going to take forever for a human team to get around to looking at every yeah. single game that's ever been pushed to the platform. And in YouTube, like I said, it could be, like I said, I don't even know, it could be like a million videos are being uploaded every day. Yeah. Literally, you you can't have a company big enough to be able to deal with that type of volume. I mean, so, yeah, and so, but yeah, I totally get why, but yeah, it is going to adversely impact people who do rely on the ad revenue for their videos. But, I mean, I, yeah, it's just what, like, I can't think of a good alternative to what these companies did, which is just yanking their commercials completely because they don't want it associated with awful, like, yeah. actual, really awful yeah, stuff. And it I would, I wouldn't want mine either. I, I would be, I would be, I would maybe do the same. I would take the, all the total response, just like, we're just not yeah, going to advertise been doing it. We just problem. can't. Yeah, like it's the, we are yeah. rapidly approaching a point, and maybe, and like, and maybe the argument is that it never should have been, but the idea of being able to support yourself via ad revenue from YouTube is increasingly, it's, there are, there's more stuff pointing to, this isn't going to be a thing forever. Like it's just the, the getting this to work yeah. is going to be a problem. Which is why more and more video people have been going the Patreon yeah, the route. Approach, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, sponsorship as well. But yeah, either yeah, either crowdfunded with Patreon or just actually getting a sponsor on your own. And that way, and that's probably the way forward. I think you're right. And that it will be just sponsors will choose to sponsor you for one reason or another, and that way, there's some vetting going on. And but the sponsors do the vetting, yeah. and so it doesn't mean that that ad ad revenue generated stuff is going completely away. But you now you come into a channel, and much like an agreement with a TV station, which is you know or whatever it, like a TV station, the company comes to a a actual contract with the with the content creator and so i think that's probably what's going to i mean we've already seen it happening there's some channels that are just outright yeah definitely sponsored by one company or more than one company and that's probably what's going to keep happening they're just going to make individual but yeah that's going to have a big harm on the larger community because it's not like companies are going to necessarily go out of their way to make a deal with every single little channel on youtube Oh, no, what you're touching on so, is kind of the very weirdly real situation of the YouTube gold rush was too good to be true, and it lasted way longer than something that was that that was too good to be true. Oh yeah, should have. And now we're kind of it's the we yeah. talked on this podcast about the idea that like it's the this is going to go away eventually. Like it's the this is too much mm. of a get rich quick scheme that works, 
for it to keep going the way it's going, and here we are. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, and of course, everything is ruined by horrible yeah. people. Just the worst people ruin it yep. for everybody. Moving on from that, though. Uh, Microsoft plans to announce two next-gen Xboxes at E3, apparently. Uh, the, the long-rumored Project Scarlet's going to kind of come to reveal, finally, according to the French video game set, Jouet Video. Can you pronounce that one better than I can, Henry? I don't know. I don't yeah, know French. Do the, the previously <laughs> um, leaked names, Lockhart and Anaconda consoles, which, if we can just get a console called the Microsoft Anaconda, I'd be kind of okay with that. Like, the Scorpio is <laughs> such a better cool. name than the Xbox One X. Like, I want dumb animal names. Mm. Oh, yeah. Might as well, you know, take the car route and name them whatever sounds interesting. New for Microsoft. <laughs> the Hyundai. <laughs> dumb. Well, 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 not not like the brand, but it's like, you know, like, some of them come out with just the ridi- most ridiculous Speed. car names. But yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, I want I want them to start naming things. But Microsoft has always kind of had interesting internal yeah. names for stuff. Uh, like I said, that's part of the the um kind of leaked, rumored, whatever you want to call it, Scarlet Line. You won't be seeing these concerts probably till twenty twenty, but we may actually get some information about them this year at E three, which is ironically rapidly approaching. Yep. Uh, the the word is now that one of them will be a have no disc tray. So that's interesting. It's only going to have it won't. So you can't actually buy physical games for it, which that's that's a pretty big a potentially jump. smart move. I mean, we've been moving away from that. I mean, if you read other reports, you just know that sales of physical games are just going down. They're just in every way, in every way, shape, and form. Every game that's being released, both in physical form and in digital, the it's the sales are just on a continual downward slide, and I understand why. Um, but, yeah. But also, it means, like, less manufacturing costs, which has caused, I think, the price of games in general to go yeah. down a good bit. Is your games that aren't that aren't bothering to produce any sort of a physical medium, that means that's one less thing to have to worry about, one less massive cost pressing, you know, pressing discs. Yeah, and to be fair, there have been rumors about this going around for a while at this point, so yes, we will see what happens. The idea of a disc, a disc driveless Microsoft Xbox, something that almost made make sense like, for this round of Xbox games to a certain level, so we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just hope they have better names this time, as dumb as that sounds. <laughs> yeah. And our kind of last silly news of the week, kind of in in comparison to last week's, um, did you know Razer had a games market? Did you know stream a video selection? I, I, it's did going not away, know, so it doesn't matter. Honestly. But yeah, that's a choice on someone's part. Yep. Yeah, it's well. Apparently, I guess they're not going to get rid of what they. No, you have. won't lose content. You just can't buy new content. They're not going to add more to it. I guess. Uh, I, I, well, the weird thing is, all right, so there's a little section here that says that essentially Valve will still have video content. It's just going to be on the game and software store huh. pages. 
that's where they're doing away with the actual markets that they're merging the markets essentially i guess but it's not clear whether or not they're ever going to produce any yeah. more movies or put any more movies on it or not yeah mm. uh, okay <laughs> that's kind of weird um but uh, i mean if you take a look at the store the store is not well done the video store is not well done so that probably didn't help. Yeah, and you know, it was a try. I mean, it was obviously Valve trying to kind of cut into, you know, like Amazon and yeah. Netflix, to be honest. I think it's much harder going from being a retailer to a games platform than from a games platform to a more generic retailer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because of what people expect, expectations and stuff, and what, yeah, I mean, if you didn't know that they had video, there's no way of knowing that yeah. they have video. Not a good way. I mean, uh, if you go on the front page, I've never seen videos oh, no, on the front page there. ever. Anytime like, I, I've ever... I, I knew the video services existed, I just wasn't sure where they were in Steam. Like, part of me almost thought they were a separate yeah. app or something like that. Yeah, they, they got... Yeah, they, they made their own storefront, but made it so completely separate from the main store page that most people never would even know to click on to go towards it yeah. or to see it even under it's like i wonder how many steam users actually ever saw the video store one <laughs> maybe two <laughs> five yeah, I, and that was the that was the families I, of the I, developers i'm sure it made sense because they kept it going for a long time it's not like it was like hey we're doing this hey it's gone like it's i think it's been around for at least five years but it may also be like yeah this is a pain in the ass. Yeah, I mean, I can see why yep. they, they just it makes more sense to just yep. shutter it. Speaking of shuttering, that's a that's a disingenuous oh. transition there, Charlie. You shouldn't have said that. Um, mm. uh, Arianet, uh, makers of Guild War and Guild Wars Two, uh, informed employees that there are plans for a big layoffs in the future. Exact numbers have not been supplied, but. Yeah, apparently they've got apparently yeah, they've it's... been declined for a little while right now, and yep. Well, that sounds like they haven't been doing anything nope. other than support Guild nope. Wars too. So I can oh, kind yeah, of no. see why. Yeah. I mean, we're gonna talk about this idea a little bit. Actually, an email we got later. We got a question. We are set. We we feel bad for the employees of um, Arianet. I know Alex is a big on again, off again fan of Guild Wars too. Hell, I played Guild Wars 2 for mm -hmm. a while. I don't think I ever put money into it beyond the original purchase, but... Yeah. I played the first one. I played Guild Wars the 1. So, that's only... But Guild Wars 2 is a huge, huge leap yeah. from Guild Wars 1, so... Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of sad, but it's... it's it's Ultimately, it's NCSoft that's been just closing down yeah. studios and reducing people. It, it just, it, it, well, I mean... You know, firing people as or NC Soft has historically been prone to doing. Uh, Arianet has roughly, yeah, Yo, yeah, Arianet has about 400 people working at it, so we'll see how many kind of it. Like I said no actual numbers on what's going to happen with this just yet, so we'll see. I, if you're holding off for a Guild Wars 3, I don't think it's happening. No, 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 yeah. I mean, that's they would have already started yeah. on that, yeah, yeah. That's unfortunate. the word most keeps floating around. Mm, yeah. Which means, all right, so yeah, let's just say that I've been around in companies that have 
done exactly that that have just reduced keep reducing their numbers until they're just nothing i guess unlike some other stories up they've been out there and announced that you'll get two months severance anyone losing their job as well as yeah bonus time based on how long you've been there so that's good i guess that that's actually way better most of the time it's just like you're gone bye i i get the impression more in that vein of thought uh in keeping with, I guess, the big studios laying people off, EA's Australian studio called Fire Bear or something. I've never even heard. Iron, Fire, Fire. Iron Monkey Studios and Fireman. The Fire Monkey Studio, sorry. Uh, which I guess has been a thing that's been around. They've worked on a bunch of games I don't think I've ever touched. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. That place got straight gutted, apparently. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, it includes The Sims I, Mobile. Like I said, a bunch of games I've never touched. I haven't played it. Yep. The Real Racing 3, I wasn't aware was a franchise. Well, I guess it yep. is. I mean, enough to where they were apparently working on a fourth. So Apparently about 40 to 50 people were impacted by this. The original estimate was upwards of 80, so... Hmm. It's unclear of what the future of the company exactly is. I... I Again, I'm going to sound callous. I've never heard of these guys. I'm not sure I've ever played a game they've made, so I guess I'm not as surprised as the Activision one that happened last week. This isn't fair, but hmm. mostly this kind of gives more yeah. credence to the um, Game Workers Unite stuff. And did you read that labor yeah. board thing that went out last week in response to the Activision email, uh, Activision stuff? Uh, no. Uh, it, 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 it's a great read, basically. It's a real solid kind of argument for the gaming industry needs to unionize. It calls out Bobby, Co uh, uh, Bobby mm. Kodak specifically and stuff. Like it's GDC's oh, wow. right around the corner where everyone's going to be in one spot too, so good time to be having these conversations. Yeah, I did read an article that included like the head of one of the big game sort of industry uh, the big one of the big game industry uh, organizations, and it was basically just said nothing about the whole unionization. Like didn't like didn't want to touch it, touch the idea with a ten foot pole, either going for or against. And I think that's pretty cowardly. I very cowardly. I don't know on this one. I do not know or understand. I guess the labor aspects of the gaming industry enough to have a in depth thought on the idea of what unionization would do to that. I I work in a similar industry that has unions that are a little bit more not directly applied to what I do, but there are occasionally rumors in my industry about unionizing and it's not quite sure what that would do to my industry either. So it's yeah, we will see on this one. But but this is the thing. If if you look at the history of unions and unionization, they've done nothing but make yes. things better. Like, I mean they're they're one of the reasons we have Things like minimum yeah. wage and like certain hour number of hours per week, which you know have been you know that oh those ideas have been busted by the whole well we'll just make you exempt employees by salary, which all it means now is now you work you know you will make you work a hundred hours in no, a week. No, that's the problem. A bunch Especially, of my industry is salaries that exact. Yeah, which is yep. which is which is total total yep. horseshit. I mean it it. It may and yeah, and my industry is big about that, but you know, it's it's just about. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, I hate that 
for the most part in this country, labor, uh, uh, like, it's just been, the idea of unions have been so attacked constantly that for too many people, the idea of a union is distasteful, when really the unions are why we have livable, decent working conditions now. I mean, the ability to mass to mass strike. I mean, it's it's invaluable, and to demand and to make demands, and to have a body organization that can do that, help you with that, rather than you having to focus all of your time on trying to gather the people to yeah. do it yourself. Collective bargaining. Yeah. No, I, I historically unions are mostly a positive thing, but I've also known of a couple of situations where, because of unions, factories had to be shut down and stuff. And again, like this is not a one-to-one comparison. It's, I think it would be a positive thing in the long run, but I also do not know what it would do to the gaming industry as a whole. Like it might do nothing except get people decent wages and not live in constant fear of like speaking out and getting laid off as a result of it, which would be a great thing. But yeah, I yeah, yeah but but seeing as how you have, I mean, you know, the the corporate problems in the gaming industry, the same corporate problems. I'd say you have corporate problems everywhere. The corporate right world. Like it's the yeah, not to just do a political podcast. And but like, and just, the gaming industry, corporate no, no. are not unique to the gaming industry. No, no. There's lots like we're just talking about. There's lots of people affected by the fact that anymore non-exempt employee simply means employee we can work literally to death because we don't pay them yeah. by the hour. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it's yeah, I. Yeah, it's just it's just frustrating to hear about that, and like I said, frustrating to hear that the industry as a whole basically has nothing wants nothing to say about it because they don't want to come out for or against it, and that's I think that's a really cowardly position to take, especially when people's lives are involved. Yeah, no argument here. That does it for news this week. Um, emails. 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 You want to get in contact with us, Henry? How would you go about doing that? That is wickedawesomecast at gmail dot Wickedawesomecast at gmail dot com. So as it sounds, down the show notes, etc. etc. We're gonna give ourselves a little bit of a mental cleanser, though. Uh, one of our fans was nice enough to send in a fantastic email given last week's topic, given last week's talk. So we're gonna start with that. Comes from anonymous. Uh, last week's podcast was justifiably a super bummer by the end, and in the interest of keeping this e- these emails fun, since I suspect this week will also be depressing as hell, I provide this mind bleach. What's the cutest baby animal? Personally, I think it's cheetahs are stupid adorable. Mm, that's a tough one. Maybe hippos are fucking adorable. And I, I have weird ideas. Uh, Let's hear them. Uh, like, Hmm. Our, our next email is about like fucking layoffs in the game industry again and stuff. So we're 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 doing our happy now. Yeah. Um, I think young spiders are cute like with the giant googly eyes. Um. Yeah, I I kind of like I I like spiders, and so I just yeah. I know most people would not. Alex say would like not. That. Um, I all right. So hmm, let me think. Because there's a lot of baby spiders is fine, dude. I, I didn't want to judge. Yeah, um, I, there's a number of cute rodents, like 
adorable rodents, I think, are our thing. I mean, I like the fact that they kind of have these little, their little hands that they can just grab stuff with, and, uh, yeah, um, I am definitely a cat person, so, and some of the big cats, yeah, I'd say have some very, very cute kittens, like, like, super adorable kittens, some of the wild cats definitely do, like, like, bobcat kittens are absolutely, ridiculously adorable. Um, yeah, yeah, I like, yeah, baby animals, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's, yeah, there's, yeah, there's a whole world of super cute baby animals, which is kind of interesting, like, they, and it may be, this is kind of an aside, but, like, there may be an evolutionary reason why the young of so many animals seem so cute, or at least one way or the other, we're, we're turned to think, to feel like things with sort of a bigger head-to-body ratio and bigger eye-to-head ratio are cute, so that, like, for, so that people actually aren't as, or, or animals in general aren't as likely to, you know, attack babies because, or baby animals because they're cute. But anyways, yeah, baby animals. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for writing in anonymous. Now, thank you so much. email that comes in from Emma. Last week, I sorry, dear wicked awesome cast. Last week, Charlie and Alex uh, covered in great detail the Activision layoffs. So uh, through the entire conversation, mm. they remained very down on Activision, which really and really stuck to a people be greedy and workers were victims narrative. I in no way disagree with this, but I am surprised that after how the Telltale closure was handled, in, co- um, in comparison, that had a much more of this sucks, but shit happens, especially some Charlie vibe to it. I do not completely agree with that stance, but based on the comparisons he made in the industry he works in, I could get behind it. That all being said, here's my question. The Activision layoffs and Telltale closure, in my perspective, are very similar events, and they are, are, are direct result of well-documented labor practices of the gaming industry. Why the somewhat different reaction to the two mm-hmm. events? In both cases, a lot of people lost their jobs. Instant, um, the incident seemed to come out of nowhere, and both seemed to result of cor- uh, corporate overreach. Um, for me, the difference is Telltale Studios is gone. Yeah, yeah I, I was about to say that. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. One of them is no yeah. longer around, so they literally ran out of money to pay anybody. Or at least we're not able to actually persist as a company. Period. Whereas, you know, when a when a when Activision, they didn't lose all their jobs. Everybody in management and corporate pretty much didn't yeah, lose like, their for jobs. For reference, the like eight hundred plus people, I think it's almost a thousand now. People that got laid off only makes up about eight percent of Activision's employees. Meaning, that's a fucking yeah. big company. It's yeah. a gigantic company, but yeah, it was a it wasn't a thing where it it was something that could have been obviously yeah. avoided. There was there's places to cut costs, but as with a lot of companies, the largest cost in a company is always going to be the people working in it, the salaries and benefits. And so a lot of places go to that first when they're trying to make a little more profit or at least look better on paper. They just dump a bunch of people instead of thinking about where where could we cut corners to make this still work or where could we you know have planned this better so that we can keep just a consistent work base 
and not have these constant hiring and firing yeah and it's one of those things where it's like if it's like if you're coming back activision and you have a bunch of shareholders saying like you guys need to cut two million dollars from your yearly operating budget finding ways to cut like the coffee costs or something like that doesn't add up that quickly it might like add up over time but if you have to cut two million dollars worth of funds somewhere the most direct approach is, hey, we pay these people X amount of money a year. Let's get them. That's not a good approach to it, but it's how you get immediate results, and that's the problem. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's, there, for example, Bain Capital was a company that did exactly that. What it would do is it would be given a company that's on the verge of collapse, fire pretty much everybody so that the company instantly looks like it's profitable, yeah. and then resell it in its profitable yep. state. And, and so, yeah, it's, yeah, I, I think, like, at, like I said, at least in the case of Telltale, there is some stupidity oh, no, going on. We're not saying Telltale But, but the whole company either. collapsed. Like the, yeah. yeah. When I was talking about kind of the comparisons to my but, industry earlier and back then, I, I wasn't saying this is right or fair or good. It was the... At least in that case, I can understand it. I have worked for jobs that no longer exist. Like the mm-hmm. company is oh, gone, yeah. and the job went away because the company was like, "Yeah, so we're closing." And you're like, "Okay, what do what's that mean for me?" It means we're closing. Like, do I get severance? Yep. Nah, we have no money. Yep. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, in the case of say Activision, they they do, and. They have the money. I mean, they're making money yep. hand over fist. That they you you just can't argue with that point. And you have to you have to also know that you know their profit per year. They could have easily cut two million out. Yeah, or however many much they needed to save with on, this many on jobs. On top of that, that should have been. Whereas Telltale had no other part of their budget to look to. They they completely yeah, it, dried it, up. It, it, You've got a good example. It's kind of a good explanation of the Telltale thing. There's a YouTube channel that does a thing. I think it's called like Nerd Slayer or something. He has a video series called mm. Death of a Game where he does a lot of research into that mm. stuff. And I'm sure it's not 100% accurate, but at least the kind of the story he figured out and outlined for what was going on with Telltale at the time of its closure were basically like it was signing projects and then taking money from that project to pay for a project they were currently doing speaks to a whole myriad mm, yeah. of financial issues like it's like it's, it's one of these things where like telltale closed there was some corporate skullduggery that sucked and stuff like that but also like it was in financial problems activision just posted a yeah. record year and still laid off almost yeah. a thousand people yeah literally yeah. record year and they, they they didn't manage to find it in their coffers to you know pay the people that actually yes. enabled enabled that profitable year and that's what makes me the angriest and that's why like i said i'm in super 100 percent in favor of 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 unionizing for for developers for game developers of all for you know whether you're a programmer or you're a 3d artist or any of these things that there needs to be a union because it's just too often that they just see you as completely and utterly just disposable yeah, in some yeah. ways, a more apt comparison it, to the Activision one would be the Studio 38 thing. The Kingdoms of Amalur guy. We talk about them every once in a while, where, mm. like, yeah. 
there was a lot of some truly bizarre financial choices were being made at that company, like buying people houses and shit that were great for employees, but really bad for a company overall. And I say it's only a more direct comparison because when that place started getting hit by layoffs, it went after like everyone. It basically worked its way up from like bottom to top of like who was most valuable to not was my understanding, which is Mm -hmm. the impression I've got about the Activision one too, where it's like, okay, we have six janitors. Can we get by with two? Yeah, which is the way most yep. a lot of companies do a lot of things, and it's pretty horror horrific. And like I said, it was it, Activision could have found room in its coffers to not fire yep. all these people. I mean, this just shows me that they have a lack of budgeting and planning, like a total lack of budgeting and planning, thinking about the future or how you know how you're going to when you hire a certain amount of people, how are you going to keep them on? And I feel like that they have no thought to that whatsoever of any keeping anybody on. Anybody is fair game that's not in it. Yeah, and I also level. think it speaks to an issue where, like, the, the corporate structuring of things is problematic right now. Like, it's the, again, not to get into, like, we're not a finance podcast, but the idea that people that run a company no. can decide how much they get paid arbitrarily and are willing to make decisions around making sure they get those increases and stuff is baffling that's legal. I Yeah. That's I mean, that's why like I'm very much on starting a co op game company. One already exists. There is a, a co op game company that exists right now. And that right there gets yeah. rid of it. I mean, basically if you make your company a co op, you don't have the same types of executive members. You have a voted an elected board to make those executive yeah. decisions but but yeah you can get unelected from the board <laughs> so i mean that's yeah that's that's the yeah and i feel Hopefully like that's that kind if, of clarifies if we can't you and helps explain the differences i i got like none of us are financial yeah. or executive law or whatever the right kind of label is experts on this but like i as someone who works in a similar field, and as Henry, who does work in the exact video game field, the big difference is Activision is still very much around, and Telltale doesn't exist. Yeah, it's like it's the there's only so much blood you can get from a dead corpse. But thank you. Yeah, uh, thank you. Uh, but thank you so much for writing in. <clears throat> yeah, still there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh. That does it for emails this week. Thank you all for writing in. Um, thank you for that animal convers- uh, that animal email. It made that whole depression a little bit more bearable. Yeah, it did. Cute yeah, animals. I like thinking about. Yeah, I like thinking Friends about cute animals. Into corporate I still shit. do that yeah. on YouTube. Straight up. Oh yeah, I, I forgot another cute animal that oh. I think is very cute. Two of them actually. Two two baby animals. Goats. Yeah. Young goats. Oh my gosh, young goats are adorable. They're springy. Yeah, they're just like these little happy springy demon guys. Things. Adult, yeah. Weird yeah. square demon eye things. Um, I also like cuttlefish. I think the cuttlefish. What the fuck is wrong cute. with you? They also have crazy weird alien eyes. So there's that's a common thread between Octopuses the two. Octopuses are the cuddly ones. Cuttlefish are just weird squid. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I just thought I'd throw sure. that in there too. No. But, yeah. Goats. Goats. We forget about goats. <laughs> that does for this week's podcast. Anything you want to talk about before we get out of here, Alex? I 
not Alex Henry. Wow, I've been doing that all fucking episode, haven't I? Fucking mass yeah. muscle memory. <laughs> fucking me today. Um, mm, I don't know. Not not really anything else I have to add. That's fair. Uh, hmm? um, oh yeah, I'll just mention how to yes. reach me on on social media. I am Kraken Zero. That's Z E R Zero on Facebook and on Instagram. Yeah. <sighs> uh. Hmm? Oh yeah, and Nomad Har yes. on Twitch. Um. Yeah, I, I may try and do some de- uh not Destiny wow, this week. Uh, Anthem streams at some point once there's something to stream. I guess like I, I hate people that stream the story of like games occasionally, especially if they're new. Where it's like, nah, let people play, but get it. I try not to be one of those people. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. If they yeah. Add, if they add like end game stuff, I may try and put something of that up or just some chill, relaxed free roam. Uh, cool. But I make no promises. My streaming setup is still in a garage. In my box. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But yeah, uh, that does it for this week. And you. Have- <laughs>